where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Friday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 201, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got our guy BT in for the full hour yeah, we do. today as the Cardinals get back into action. Very important road trip, boys. They're heading Ooh, out to man. Seattle Make or break, for three. They're going, they're going to San Francisco for four and L.A. for three. So they've got one playoff team from a year ago from the American League, a playoff team in the Dodgers and a, always a World Series contender and then the Giants who you know, not not a great year th- thus far, but uh, sometimes they can be sneaky good. BT, Jamie just kind of alluded to it. I, I, I can't imagine it's a make or break road trip in April, yet when you're looking at the standings for the Cardinals in our 8-11, and 11, if this thing goes sideways, you you don't want to dig yourself too big of a hole in April. No, you nailed it. You better at least tread water on this road trip. And I, I don't know, like, do you guys have a number in mind here in the 10 games that you would deem a successful road trip? Like, where are you at with that? Oh, for me, six. I think, yeah, six. Six and four. I'll take so that. Anything above 500 is a win. I, I'm yes. almost at the point where at least five and five just tread water. Oh, is that where we're at? Wow. Where's the optimism? I am one game below where you guys are. It's different, though. I mean, we are a winning record. We expected you to say 10. Yeah. No, no, that's it. Look, they could lose every game. Okay, and still be a playoff team in my mind. That's how. Uh, that's how much I believe in this group. They better not lose every game, boy. That would be. <laughs> that would be something. Uh, but it is. It, it's. It's a big deal because, as you said, Anthony. Look, you're already six games back in the division. The Brewers are playing really good baseball. By the way, the Brewers just swept these Mariners, right? We know how good the pitching is uh, for the Brew Crew. Their offense has been better than most expected. And in large part for the Cardinals, the offense has been good. The numbers are there to back it up. We finally saw some clutch hitting and an offensive outpouring against Madison Baumgartner and the Diamondbacks that was so bad that they just released him afterwards and were sick of it. It's disgusting. (laughs) Um, But uh, the, the Cardinals need more of that, obviously. They need more consistent offense. The big question still remains, will the pitching be able to hold up for the long haul? Well, that is that well, is a huge question, and I guess that that's a perfect transition into are are we seeing anything out of these out of the pitching staff that would give us some hope moving forward, or is it still a well, you know, uh, uh, back of the baseball card looks okay? 
because BT, I, I mean, when I'm looking at some of the some of the numbers, especially, I don't even know if these are advanced numbers. This is just hard hit rate in baseball. The ball is absolutely being murdered when most Cardinals pitchers are throwing it. So I, the fact that the the, the hard hit rates are, are ugly for the Cardinals. Yeah, Miles Michaelis has yet to put together a really good start. Stephen Matz has yet to put to good, together a good start. The one guy you felt pretty good about for a second was Jordan Montgomery. He's coming off a rough start. I'm not seeing right now where you say, yeah, but this thing's going to turn around here in in, in a, in a in short order. The only argument is, well, you know, again, the, the, the resume is pretty good for these guys, but maybe I'm missing something. Look, Anthony, first of all, I don't like how you said the second part. Well, if you squint a little bit and you look at the back of the baseball card. It's true. But that's actually, no, that's actually the side I'm on right now. <laughs> uh, because there, there has not been a ton as you're watching this all go down. and be like, there it is. I see it now. Like, you haven't seen that. You're seeing glimpses of it in an inning or a couple of innings. And then it's like, what happened? What, what was that fourth inning where you give up six? Or, you know, the sixth inning where you give up five? Like, uh, you're not seeing it in totality, right? I still don't believe that this Cardinal pitching staff is anywhere near as bad as uh, they have looked. And I'm talking about the starting staff who currently has a 5.60 ERA. That's good for 25th in all of baseball. Uh, that's not good. Now, I, I don't believe that they're that bad. I also don't believe that miraculously in two weeks, or like, oh, there they are. It's a top five rotation. I just don't believe they are a top five rotation. The question is, will the offense be good enough to score runs consistently to make this pitching staff good enough? Because I still don't see a way, and maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong on this. You get reinforcements back hopefully soon enough with Adam Wainwright that should kick Jake Woodford into the bullpen, I would think, that you have a traditional long guy, so that should help keep your bullpen a little bit more fresh. But I, 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 this still looks like a year where John Mosellock and Gersh and Everybody in the front office might be looking for another starter around the trade deadline, but there is no starter to be had right now. Like these deals don't happen this early. No, yeah, that's the thing. Well, I mean, Madison we... Bumgarner is available, Brad. Yeah. Boy, you know, a lot of people, I, I was uh. reading on Twitter, which is always <laughs> the best place to get your news. No doubt. And it, it, a lot of people are interested in Madison Bumgarner. Now, Anthony, I know that you are a big Giants fan. I mean, anything Bay Area, you just bleed it. Um, where are you at with Madison Bumgarner? Yeah, I love those Stanford trees, that's for sure. Um, yes. No, 100% no. He hasn't pitched well in years. He has, ever since he put on an Arizona Diamondback uniform, he's been terrible. Uh, there's a reason why, despite winning three World Series titles with the Giants, including one as a 20-year-old, why the Giants didn't bring him back. And they took some flack for it. I don't think Bumgarner was too happy about it. But this is an organization from the outside because it was new. It was new. It was a new front office in San Francisco that had the decision whether or not they were going to sign Bumgarner, and they said, "No, we're going to move on." So there, there's a reason for it. Arizona, you know, they thought maybe they were getting the Bumgarner of old, and obviously that that wasn't the case. I made this point yesterday, BC. If for some reason Wainwright suffered a setback, or even he comes back and he's not good or gets hurt again, I would rather see starts allocated to somebody like Matthew Libertor than Madison Baumgartner. That's where I'm at on it. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I'm glad you brought up Libertor, too, because he's been throwing the ball very well. Um, I, I'm with you. I get the name, and I understand it, but the, the eyes don't lie. Like, 
Father Time is undefeated. Father Time, it looks like he's caught up to Madison Baumgartner. And uh, wish him the best. Seems like a great dude. Just don't uh, don't think that the Cardinals end up needing somebody else like that in their rotation. But this is the group for right now. Uh, Steven Matz is on the mound tonight against the Mariners, and he's going to look to build on his last start where he was solid against the Pirates, who inexplicably are playing really good baseball right now. <laughs> I think the Pirates are sitting at like 13-7 and seven or something like that. Um, so you, you hope he builds on that. But this rotation needs consistency, just kind of like we, we've talked about with the offense, like, Everything looks flat when you're not getting the big hit. Well, everything looks bad when your starters put you in a hole and you're playing from behind. And the hope is against a team that has underperformed this year also with the Mariners of both these teams sitting at an 8-11 and 11 record that they can start building a little of that consistency behind Steven Matz. I, I think that starting pitching... And, and maybe it doesn't translate, it just always feels like it does, is a little bit contagious. Like you have a guy go out there and have a great outing, then you got the next starter who's competitive, wants to have a better one, and then there's that friendly competition. There hasn't been enough of that to this point. No, not one bit. So again, they've got Seattle, they've got San Francisco, they've got the Dodgers. And if you're looking at this series, Seattle, they're underperforming as well. They're they got the same record as you. So they're 8-11, you're 8-11, they're dealing with injuries. You won't see Robbie Ray in this series. Robbie Robbie Ray's got, got a long-term injury now. But Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, uh, Ty France, Jared uh, Kelnick. I mean, the, Kelnick has been outstanding. Yeah, he has. He has been on, on an absolute tear. So this lineup that you're about to face is dangerous and you haven't pitched well. So that's that's tricky. You go to San Francisco again, not a great team. It's tough ballpark, especially for a young outfielder like Jordan Walker, who's going to be playing right field. He's got the brick out there. He's got the chain link fence. There's triples alley. If Alec Burleson continues to see some time in the outfield, that oh again, that wasn't that's not a great that's not a great outfield to play. And then and then the Dodgers speak for themselves. So this is there's a lot of storylines to follow this weekend and on this road trip for the Cardinals. Is there one in particular, BT, that stands out for you? Uh, honestly, I think the, the biggest one for me continues to go back to, well, I guess two, right? Uh, one continues to go back to the starting pitching. Like, is, is this going to be a group that's going to be able to give you a chance day in and day out? And then the other one is, are the Young Bucks going to keep doing what they're doing? Because you, uh, you threw out Jared Kelnick as a guy that's having a very good season. Remember him last year, highly touted prospect, and he struggled. He went up and down uh, between the big leagues and the minor leagues last year. And honestly, maybe kind of the Mariners version of what we're seeing out of Nolan Gorman right now. When you're looking at young players and OPS and slug, like those are the two guys that pop up right away. What Gorman has been doing has been ridiculous. Like that's one of the things to continue to keep an eye on. And then your other guys, you mentioned Burleson. Burleson's still a, a young player in this league. Jordan Walker is going to continue to get at bats. What does he do? I believe in the nucleus that is already there. We're seeing Contreras tear it up right now. So what do those other pieces, those young pieces on, I don't want to say even on the outside, but the, these complementary pieces in the lineup, what do they continue to do here on this road trip? That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Salter. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Wilson Contreras, he's, he's hit, you know, he started off slow. Now he's hitting incredibly well. What Contreras will we see moving forward here? We'll get into that conversation next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
He unloads high in the air toward left. Long run for Guriel. Track wall and gone above the bullpen. That was worth the wait. Certainly was. Wilson Contreras has heated up. That was Chip Carey on the call. Bally Sports Midwest. Wilson Contreras about a week ago was sitting at no home runs, one double. So he had obviously just one extra base hit. Two RBI in 12 games. He's batting below 200, so he's below the Mendoza line. And he had an on-base percentage of about 283. Not great. And then we continue to get text messages. And this, we, we've seen... We've seen text messages as, what, as late as yesterday, Jamie, talking about how Wilson Trey, you know, is he is he part of the issue maybe with the starting staff and their struggles? One thing you can't question has been the turnaround offensively for Contreras. 274 average, 357 on base, 452 slug, 805 OPS, two homers, five doubles, nine driven in. This is the player, guys. Small snapshot, but this is the player that you signed in free agency to not only replace Yardy Molina, but to improve your offense. So I guess the question now is, will we see this now moving forward, provided, you know, look, you're going to have some slumps here and there. But BT, this this guy looks absolutely locked in right now. Anthony's going to hit 500 the rest of the way. Makes sense, yeah. Wow. That makes From sense. here till the end of the year. Eight for his last 16. You threw out the numbers. Boy, how much difference does this offense look when Contreras is doing things like this? Like, that's that's the thing. When, when You knew what Goldie and Arenado have, and how about the game that you had against Baumgartner and the Diamondbacks? Those two combined to go 0 for 7, and then you still end up uh, having a ton of hits score, uh, you know, a couple of touchdowns against the D-backs. No kidding. It just tells you the length that you have in the lineup there, and it's Contreras. You knew what he had. You had seen it before, but I think there's a lot that goes into being the new shiny toy and signing the big contract and then trying to get comfortable and learning a new team, learning new people, a ton of pressure that goes on. And I think that that's kind of some of it that was going on with Wilson Contreras at that point, too. You try to, like, fit in and you try to see, okay, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? And then it looks like here recently Wilson has gotten to the point where it's like, I'm going to go be me. I'm going to go do my thing. And let's see how this works out. And it turns out it works out pretty well. Did you guys like it when he was chirping Bumgarner after it. he missed a cookie? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was I loved great. it on both sides. I loved it on both sides. I knew Bum, uh, Mad Bum would end up chirping back. But like that's who Contreras is, isn't it? Oh, 100%. This is somebody that's that's got uh, a ton of – I mean, we know he's competitive. We know he's a fiery guy. When you're struggling, though, Jamie, it's it's kind of hard to flex, you know, and not look yeah. like, not look like a, a real – Diamondback out there. <laughs> um, but when you're hitting well and you're feeling good and you feel like you're locked in, something like that with the back and forth with Bumgardner, I think I think it kind of endears you to, to Cardinals fans. But that's who that's Will that's that's who he is. He's not putting on an act. Yeah. So when I look at athletes, uh, body language tells me a lot. And and doesn't matter what sport, you can usually tell if there's no stats that are brought up on on the on the TV screen or anything at all. You can usually tell how that athlete is performing based upon their body language. And Wilson Contreras to start the season, it, it, it wasn't bad, but it it didn't have that swagger to it. it. The chest wasn't puffed out quite enough. It was very like, you know, just want to make sure I can hit the ball. I'd, I'd like to get a hit. I'd like to get on base now, please. <laughs> it was more of that kind of body language, whereas in the last handful of games, 
him chirping back. He's got he's got a little bounce in his step again, and that's what you want from a guy like that. One, you're paying him a lot of money. Two, uh, you were he was brought in for that specific reason. But BT, the one question I wanted to circle back to you because we get all sorts of comments here to the wonderful Air Comfort Service text line, and yesterday was brought up that basically, lack of better words, questioning or are hinting at the fact that Contreras is a big part of why the starting pitching staff is struggling. And I just don't know, for me, as an outsider, I don't see how that correlates totally. Maybe every now and then there's a uh, a call or, you know, the glove is in the wrong place or he just sets up wrong, whatever it is. But it can't be all on the catcher that we're seeing these struggles. No, gosh. Hey, look, I would, if we're going to point the blame somewhere... Just do it on the guys actually throwing the ball that get the bulk of it, right? That that is that is fair. But I do think it is fair to look on the other side. And we knew this, we knew this coming in, and we all talked about how hard it was going to be to watch that somebody that was glove first, one of the best defensive catchers in the game of baseball in the history, to go to a guy that is offense first and still working on being a better and better catcher. There have been plenty of times this year, like to that point of could the starting staff uh, be a little bit better. Um, with you know, with something else behind the plate. Look, there have been a, a few of these snowball innings where I know that Yachty is going to get a call that Contreras didn't get. And a lot of it is resume, but most of it is just the way that he presents and the, there are pitches on the corner that, boy, you could really use, and he just doesn't get it there or the, the setup is wrong or they pulls the glove out. Like, there are times when that happens. So to say, like, minimally – yeah, like there, there could be some things that are a little bit better, but wholesale, no. Like he's still learning the staff. The staff is still learning him, and the group needs to execute even better. But, yeah, he can be better behind the plate. And what I love to hear is how much he actually cares about that and is working on that. That's day in and day out. He's not just happy that he's eight for his last 16, a couple of home runs, ripping doubles. Like, yeah, like he wants to do that but he also wants to continue to put in the work behind the plate. So my hope is for Contreras that we continue to see that. I thought that early on in the season, especially like that, uh, the Blue Jays series, he ended up catching two out of the three because Jordan Hicks almost killed him. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I, I, I thought that like the first couple of series, he looked really good behind the plate. And then I feel like maybe his offensive struggles started carrying with him behind the plate. And then you weren't seeing as good of like movement and sticking the glove back there. But he's going to continue to progress there because he wants to. So it's not his fault, but certainly like he's he's part of it. He also doesn't know at this point, I, I don't think, what makes every single guy tick like Yachty was able to do, when to jump somebody's ass and when to give him a pat on the behind. Like he's probably still learning all these things about each one of his pitchers as well. BT, maybe you can enlighten us. When when it came to the game plan, how much was Yachty involved in those pre pre game meetings what was his role? How did he help you guys? You know, let's say, Brad, you're starting on a day. What, take us through that. Because I, I often wonder if there's a misconception when it comes to, well, Yachty, unbelievable. He's doing X, Y, and Z that Wilson Contreras is not. Or maybe, I don't know, was it, what, what, just, just tell us about the process maybe. Let's go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if I were starting on a given day, Yachty would first uh, lead a group prayer for the offense, <laughs> knowing that they're going to 
Boys, we're going to need it today. Let's bless these bats first, and then we'll get to the actual. No. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, uh, we're going to need some help. No, the, the preparation is, it's not like he went above and beyond preparation-wise that what Contreras is going to do. Look, these guys both and Yachty would break down video. He'd be watching the hitters. They'd have stuff set up for him uh, for, you know, his, his starter, and he'd go through it and – uh, he really retained that information. He is like next level understanding of the game. Like Yachty knows throughout a game, and I don't think it's every every catcher doesn't have this to a certain extent. They do, but not to the level that he did. Like he knows exactly how he pitched a guy last time. It'll pitch him backwards the next time. Sometimes you just fall by like, hey, what is the book on this guy? Here it is. He's like, OK, what's the book? What did we do last time? What can we do differently? What were some of the swings like? Like the in-game adjustments, I think Yachty or Molina was better at than anybody that I have ever seen doing it. But the process beforehand, there's so many hands on deck when it comes to learning about the opposition and game planning for it. I mean, you've got papers upon papers of how we get people out. Video is always there. And Contreras is breaking down all of this stuff, too. He's just not the same catcher that Yachty is. And that was the payoff. If he goes eight for his last 16, like, we're not talking about his defense generally when he's swinging the bat well. It's only when things aren't going exactly as planned uh, that I think it is when it really shines for Contreras. So it's more in-game than it is pre-game. It's just... I think so. Yeah, I think it's just more of like what he is and, and what he was as a catcher like with, with Yachty. Like all of the strikes that he would end up stealing you. It's not work that's not being done by Wilson Contreras. Like it, Wilson's always there early. He's always digging into video. He's always talking to his pitchers, but he's also brand new to this team. There will be a learning curve that goes with it, but it's not like one of those things where, well, this guy did this and this guy's not doing it there are we can all like have the same preparation if we wanted to for a radio show and anybody listening could have the same prep some are going to be better at it than others like that's just kind of the way that it goes and the god-given gift and well like the reps of doing it at a crazy high level and yachty as we all knew is just a better catcher Wilson Contreras is a far better offensive player than Yachty was. Like, there is going to be a little give and take between the two. Is there a confidence attached to it at all? And what I mean by that is, you know, Yachty obviously knew that nobody's going to question his decision. So if he gets up there and the in-game adjustment is made, or while an at-bat is going on, Yachty just decides to flip the script on what was written down in the clubhouse and go rogue, nobody's questioning Yachty in that moment. So when Contreras comes here and let's say he wants to, you know, go rogue a little bit himself, maybe he's not quite as confident and maybe the team isn't as confident in letting him go rogue. Well, you, you know what it is, though, in, in this one, I don't care who's catching you, whether it's Yadier Molina, Wilson Contreras, a rookie that's never done it before. The onus is still on the pitcher to throw what he believes in. Now, there would be times it's that equity you build up having a career like Yachty where I'd be on the mound and he'd call something and go, hot damn, I wasn't thinking that. He must know something. <laughs> Let's do it. And like to that point, like there is a confidence in like if he believes in that, I believe in that in this moment and maybe that will build up but overall like it's on the pitcher to throw what he believes is going to work so if you throw something that maybe didn't make sense to you in that moment and you don't have success like that's that's on you like for example watching Steven Matz Matz we know how good this stuff is we know how good it can be we know how he can get a ton of ground balls uh the opposition is also hitting like 350 something off of him 
with two strikes. He's not burying his changeup and has not buried his curveball to this point. That's not Contreras putting down the wrong fingers. That's him not putting the pitch where he ends up wanting to do, and that's going to be a big change. And and by the way, overall for the Cardinals pitching staff, I think they have three of the top four averages against with two strikes. Number one is Michaelis, who the opposition is crushing him with two strikes. I want to say number two or three is Jake Woodford, and then Matt's is four. Like, so Cardinals staff needs to start figuring out how to put away hitters. But when you go back and watch this stuff and you guys watch every game and I'll go watch like the highlights of, of, you know, after doing games, I'll watch each hit or each strikeout. It it really has come down to execution. So uh, other than Contreras going out there sometimes and throwing the pitch himself and catching it, I'm not (laughs) sure that there's too much more, you know, that he could do in a lot of these spots. One of the topics of big topics of uh, conversation the last couple of days has been about one player that's red hot at the dish, but maybe BT can shed some light on. I hope so. A questionable thing. I mean, everybody's questioning it. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What Gorman has been doing has been ridiculous. Like, that's one of the things to continue to keep an eye on. Swing, drive, hammer, deep right. That's a grand slam. That's what I've been saying all along. Chip Carey on the call, Valley Sports Midwest, and of course, Janet. Uh, Janet knew. Janet knew right away. That felt like Janet was on the broadcast with Chip there. Yeah, it certainly did. Let's go down to Boy, Janet for, our, for a look uh, <laughs> at that grand slam from... The, uh, the bleachers. Janet, what do you got? I would love a three-person booth with Janet in there. It'd be smart. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And if you something. were if you were in Oakland, it could be a four-person booth. You get the raccoon. No, it's the possum. 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 Yeah. Well, there'll be a raccoon in there shortly. Oh, there definitely is somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be fooling. Brad, Nolan Gorman, unbelievable start. He's locked. He's as locked in as any hitter right now in, in, in the, uh, the lineup. But the question that continues to be that continues to be brought up, and Jamie and I are on the same page with this. We don't know. We don't know what to make of it. Uh, Jamie has asked Alexa many times. Alexa doesn't know either. Maybe you can shed some insight on this. Why doesn't Nolan Gorman hit against lefties consistently? I think they want to set him. Yeah, I think they want to set him up for success. Honestly, like I really think that you don't face that many lefties in general right it's a predominantly the league is right-handed the the splits tend to be better he's only had four at-bats to your point against lefties this year 0 for 4 I really think that they know he's got something good going right now and if they're going to give him a day they just rather give it to him against a lefty or a big spot they'd rather have somebody else and utilize some of the balance in their lineup I really think it comes down to setting him up continually for success like why we're not seeing more now, the question is, and maybe it's a question uh, because it's a good one, and maybe I'll try to ask Ollie about it today, is in the future, will he try to get him more at-bats against the lefties so he can be in there you know, day in, day out, every big spot? 
because right now what he's doing, he's one of the best bats in baseball, not just one of the best young bats. He's like one of the best bats as far as slug, power, average, on-base percentage. He's been getting it done on every single level. But I really think it's about having a young player and continuing to build the confidence that, hey, when when you are deployed, we believe that you're going to be successful. Now, I guess, Jamie, the flip side of that could be when you're not playing, it means we don't believe you could do it. Yeah, well, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm also at the point where, you, you know, you, you talk about, well, you know, he needs to have more experience to, to prove that he can do it. How the heck do you get that? I mean, you, you can't get better at doing something in your sport if you don't ever have that challenge especially in a game situation. I'm sure that they'll probably throw some lefties at him in batting practice or whatever they do, uh, getting ready for games. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to face some left-handed pitching for you to ever truly know if he can be in there against those guys. Yeah, and I guess if you get to a point, too, where you're looking at your lineup against the lefty and say, all right, well, this isn't getting it done. And the Cardinals, historic, well, not historically, at least the last couple of years, they fared really well as a team against left-handed pitching, and they've had really good balance in the lineup. So I, like, I, I don't think that it's something where it's a knock on him that he's not doing it or not getting the opportunity. It's just that when they look at the balance of the roster, I feel like they just like the matchups against the right-handed pitching even more. But, no, you're right. Like You're not going to get better at doing something if you don't get to do it. You're not going to get better if you just take a BP or different looks off a of lefty. You've got to see it live. You've got to see that, that action of somebody really trying to get you out. Um, and with the adjustments that we've seen him make in his swing, like I don't have any reason to believe that he can't take a competitive at-bat against lefties and start a game against a lefty and see what it looks like. And I think that that would be, an, it will be, an interesting thing to see when Ollie and when their staff, maybe the numbers correlate and say, all right, well, this is a guy. Like, this is a guy. We see how his stuff profiles, and we believe that Gorman is a good matchup against him. I personally, as a fan, would like to see it. I want to see more of Gorman as opposed to less of it. But the way that he's being used right now is working for sure. So the, I guess what I'm concerned about, too, and we've talked about it the last couple of days, is, and it's a, it's a minor concern. I'm sitting here and I'm getting inside my own head at the same time. But it is a, con a concern is, you know, Gorman swinging the bat as good as he is, which, to your point, BT, one of the best in all of baseball right now. You get towards the end of a game, it's a it's a close game, and teams just take the bat out of his hands. Go to the lefty. We're not facing Gorman. Go to the lefty. Because we know as soon as we throw the lefty on the bump, Ollie's going to switch it out. And although historically the Cardinals have been good against lefties, what if your righty isn't as good as Nolan Gorman is at that moment? Well, I think that's when you end up getting to the point, if you don't believe you have a good enough counter, which I think that they feel like they have enough of a balance on their roster where they can counter, then maybe he does start taking some of those at-bats. And the, the only issue with that uh, of trying to eliminate the lefty by bringing him in is we do have the three-batter minimum. So that guy better be able to get out right-handers as well. You don't have too many loogies anymore in baseball that lefty one-out only guy. So... You, you are changing it for the next couple of batters unless there's like two outs and you bring him in. I think right now they're comfortable with the rest of the lineup that they have no problem bringing him out of the game if they have to and bringing somebody else into it that they think give him a better chance. Well, I don't like it, Brad. I don't like it at I get all. It. I want you to tell Ollie I that I don't like it either. The kid's playing well. Let him play. 
I'll talk to him about it. That maybe that'll be a topic of conversation for today. So like he should play each and every day. Like, well, to your point, okay, to the point of getting the reps, figuring out what what a guy's got. That's what they've done in large part with Jordan Walker, isn't it? Now you're not going to sit him against every righty because you know that's pretty much the league is mainly right-handed. But you want him to go through the good times and the bad. But I think that the part with Jordan Walker is they wanted to get him to a point where uh, you're not going to mess with him when he's got a 12-game hitting streak. And then if you do run into some struggles, which inevitably you're going to do at the big league level, then we figure out what adjustments we need to make. And now you failed at this level. And I use that failed term very loosely, but you haven't had the same success. Now, how do we change some things? And I think that that's kind of what they've done with him. And we'll see if they end up going that way with Gorman. But right now, when you're looking at everything that he's doing, how he's hitting the ball, his approach, like it doesn't look like the same hitter. You go back and watch some of the video of, from a year ago, and he's got pitches that he's swinging through that he has no chance of hitting. He was terrible against the fastball last year. I forget exactly what the number is, but I'm pretty sure he was hitting like 150-something versus Oof. the heater. This year he's hitting 400 against the fastball. Like He's seeing everything so much better than he did before, and uh, and it's working but it is an interesting question i don't have the right answer for like when they're going to deploy him or if they plan to deploy him against the lefties but it is something certainly to keep an eye out bt we got a text from the 314 asking is it more so preserving gorman or wanting to see other players step up and succeed against the lefty we did see for example dylan carlson pinch hit for nolan gorman the other night is that the, is that the case of what the the texture is uh, asking well so that that is just a on paper that move makes way too much sense because Dylan Carlson is great against left-handed pitching. His stroke from the right side is fantastic. He hits for average, hits for more power against those. So the matchup just ends up making sense. I don't think it's about preserving him at all. I, I really do believe that it's more so about what they believe gives them the best chance in a given spot. And I know that's like a hard thing to process when you're looking to say, this guy is knocking the crap out of the baseball. How does not having him in there give you a better chance? But I think that's where they really lean heavily on their numbers, his history against left-handers, even in the minor leagues. And they say, okay, well, uh, this is probably what makes a little bit more sense. But it is nice. When, when you have two guys off the top of your lineup, we saw it against Bumgarner in Tommy Edmond, who nearly hit for the cycle. And boy, that would have been something because you couldn't see it on Bally as the power went out the booth. <laughs> oh, no. What guys, happened there? Guys, I know you're on BT, air. All of a sudden, we had a view from like between the flagpoles. Yeah. And I had to like, I, I caught myself like moving my head trying to see around the flag, which I knew wasn't going <laughs> to happen. Was, but it, we had a a full full fledged <laughs> power outage is what happened. So you know that sound in your ear where it's like powering down where it just goes. Mm -hmm. like, had that screens go black and there's everybody there's just panic of what to do and you have to wait for the whole system to boot back up. There was a time in the ninth inning where we thought we were on air and Chip and I were calling. It turns out we weren't. I think that uh, Scott Warman and Jim Edmonds did a fantastic job from the studio across the street filling in and and uh, ended up putting a bow on that game. But that was it was crazy. But Tommy Edmond almost hits for the cycle. He didn't end up doing it. But you have Tommy and Dylan that do what they do against lefties, I think that they kind of prefer some of those matchups better. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. BT had just mentioned Jordan Walker. What? How does he? How has he fared thus far? Because we are kind of to a, a first evaluation point. You have the the hit streak, 
That ended. Had a little bit of a slump. Had a nice game on Wednesday. Where does he need to improve? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This one smoked to the center. That's down for a hit. O'Neal on his way to third will stop there. Contreras scores and Walker with an RBI single. You keep in mind how old he is and first time in the league and there's going to be some adjustments. But we believe that he'll make those adjustments. He's good enough too and we'll see some ups and downs. But we really do believe his skill set with his mentality is a good combination for being able to adapt to this league. That's Ali Marmel. You also heard Chip Carey on the call. Bally Sports Midwest with Brad Thompson joining us for another 15 minutes. Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. Jordan Walker in the final game against Arizona on Wednesday. He went two for four, had a walk, drove in a run, also scored three runs. Before that, he was hitting 156 since April 9th. And over that span, he had strike, struck out six times and he only had one hit in 16 at-bats. Of course, he also had the hit streak at the start of the game, or at the start of the season, excuse me. And BT, you had mentioned this, no reason to tinker at all with the swing or the the approach. He's got the hit streak going. Let's just leave him alone. Eventually it will end, and it did, and he got a day off, and then he hit a little bit of a, a skid. But when it comes to Jordan Walker, what you've seen that – you know he, do, he he's doing great right now despite his age and his inexperience level and what are some things that stand out to you BT that Jordan Walker will eventually have to adjust on well one of the first things that just stands out with Jordan Walker is the overall skill set I mean he really does have all the tools he can hit for average he can hit for power he can run he's got a great arm I mean he, he does a little bit of everything but still at 20 years old at the big league level there are going to be some adjustments to be made and I think and I hope that we saw a couple of them. He ran off his stat line on Wednesday against the Diamondbacks. So the single up the middle came on a curveball. The base hit the other way came on a slider. Jordan Walker is predominantly pulling everything. Like there's not a pitch on the inner half that he doesn't like, and it doesn't have to be on the inner half. It could be in the inner batter's box, and he's swinging <laughs> at it. He's got, a, he, he, he's got the highest swing rate in baseball on anything on the inner half. Like he just can't hold himself up. And you're seeing a lot of ground balls to the shortstop area, a lot of weaker contact to that side of the field. That guy with his stature, his swing, should not have a ton of weak contact, right? It should be more barreling the baseball. But I think that that's where the approach comes in. As we talked about him last time, if you're seeing Jordan Walker up there in the batter's box, I'm not throwing him a fastball middle in. I'm going to throw him away, specifically sliders away. 11 of his punch outs have come via the slider, and I'm going to make him beat me that way until uh, he proves that I need to do something else. And I believe that that was part of the giving him a day off in game two of the series. Say, hey, all right, let's take a breather. Things aren't going exactly like you want them to do right now. Let's put in some work. And before you even revamp the swing, and and not that you need a huge revamp, we can get into some mechanical things that maybe they would like to change or tweak with him. But 
let's reset the mindset a little bit. Okay, here's what everyone is trying to do to you. As a pitcher, I wanted a left-hander to try to pull my sinker down and away. Like, that's what I, I wanted you to do. I wanted you to pull off that thing and beat it into the ground. That's what they, they want to, right now. Any pitcher wants you to take that pitch that's away, try to pull it, and then you beat it right into the ground, <laughs> Jamie. Uh, and that's what's happening a little bit. So Any questions on that, Jamie? Process no, I got a pretty BT good visual moves, of that. He, before he moves yeah, on. Just, yeah, just bam, like yeah. right, right into the ground. Mm. Uh, and that's what's happening. So if your thought process changes a little bit, knowing how fast Jordan's hands are and how quickly he can make an adjustment, if he really is thinking, okay, let me hit a line drive over the second baseman. If that's the thought, is line drive right over his head, he can still – adjust to a fastball in his hands are quick and he'd be able to keep that fair but if your thought process is looking out over the plate then you can drive it that way i think that that's the evolution of him that's like that's the next level just from a mental standpoint at first but that's not an easy thing to do right to make it to to get to the big leagues and realize all right guys don't make as many mistakes over the middle of the plate I got to start trying to drive the ball the other way but i think that mental shift could end up helping him a bit I like the I like the the breakdown there. You're talking about approach. There's one thing that, and I don't know. Maybe at some point, maybe we'll talk to Matt Holiday about this. But when I'm looking at some of the baseball savant numbers, some of the more advanced metrics, we did get this question at one point. They were talking a bit. The texter asked, "Hey, you know why? How, how, why is he not putting the ball in the air more? Well, his launch angle isn't great. He's yeah. he's there's a, there's a reason you broke down from a a pitching." you know standpoint how pitchers are getting him to ground to to beat the ball into the ground but the other the other part here is that he he kind of has a flat swing right now there is no there is no launch to it there so if he's not hitting the ball in the barrel if he's not going to if he's not hitting the ball hard and we have seen him hit the ball hard at times but even if you hit the ball hard and you don't have that launch angle to connect with it the ball's you're not going to drive it you're either going to you know get a hard single or or you're going to get kind of a a hard luck ground out but at some point, I'm not saying it's right now, but at some point for him to start driving the ball out of the yard or or driving it for extra base hits, the, that, that launch angle has got to come up a little bit. No, I totally agree. And that's something that I'm not sure if they've definitively had the conversation with him about this yet. Again, you're letting him learn at this level. Right. You don't want to overload a young kid with information. But I know for a fact it's internally a conversation that they've had. It's not necessarily sustainable to put the ball on the ground as much as he does with the power that he possesses. So the question is, like, how do you take baby steps in that direction? I'm not going to take a 20-year-old who's had nothing but success and actually hit his way onto this ball club and say, all right, you know everything you did? Scrap it. Let's try something else. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I want to totally change your setup, totally change a lot of things. Uh, but there there are different ways uh, that, that I think – could help him a little bit now jordan has always just going back and watching some of his minor league video uh it, it's pretty pronounced when you're watching him hit how his front side opens up you'll see the front leg his stride isn't right at the pitcher it's actually more towards like the third base dugout and that opens up the hips when you do that now in the minor leagues he had the ability, and I think it's probably due to the fact that look, he's incredibly talented and guys in the minor leagues will tend to make a few more mistakes than guys at the big league level. But he had he showed the ability to drive the baseball the other way while still having his lower half leak open a little bit. But when you do that, when your hips are opening, the hands are coming through and they kind of roll over a little bit more instead of being able to stay under the ball and stay through it. 
I think that's something that they would love to be able to tweak with him, not fully change him off or turn him into a, like a, a totally closed hitter. Uh, picture Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton, he stands in a way where he's totally closed off. Although I, I got to be honest, I would love to see what it looks like for Jordan Walker if he did that, because all those pitches that are away are going to look like they're inside and then he'd murder baseballs. But <laughs> it's small. It's smaller tweaks like that of like, hey, what are you, what are you thinking right now? Because maybe some of him opening up more and more is him getting jumpy as a 20-year-old that really wants to do damage on every pitch. So when you simplify it and think the other way, because, again, go through the thought process. You know, Jamie, you played baseball growing up. Anthony, you played at a high level and switched positions, which is very <laughs> difficult to do. Um, Utility. So it, Yes, you think about this, or even playing softball where you have so much swagger and so many pieces of flair, yeah. and not that Weighs you would ever you do this because we know, yeah, we know that you're a home run hitter. But if you were thinking to yourself, okay, let me hit a line drive over the short or, or over the second baseman's head as a right-handed hitter, would one of your first steps be to open up with your hips, no. or would one of your first steps be striding directly at the pitcher and keeping that front side close? Yeah, striding. Yeah, so I, I think that that is kind of part of the the evolution for him, too. And it, it's really nice having a lineup right now, as we talked about before, where he doesn't have to be the savior. He doesn't have to be the, okay, we got this huge prospect, and all of a sudden he's going to come light the world on fire. No, you have a chance to continue to ease him in. And as we were going through the hitting streak, uh, we're all we're all beating the drum of, all right, well, when do you move him up? And, uh, you know, are, are you going to see him somewhere else in the lineup? Could he lead off? Could he hit second? Should he hit in front of Goldie? Um, Ollie and the staff was continually patient, just say, hey, just let let him be. Yep. He's going to be fine. We're going to continue to take the pressure off of him. And I think that that's what they're doing. But I think this is where Turner Ward and the hitting staff really start digging in a little bit and saying, okay, well, that was great. Now let's work on this a little bit. Or what is your thought process going through it? Extremely talented, extremely coachable. He'll make the adjustments. And the hope is that he makes them sooner rather than later. BT, enjoy Seattle. Is this your first time? Hey, it is. It is my first time. And yesterday we had the off day here in Seattle. Did you and go by the, the fish market? Of course I yes. did. Yes. Absolutely. Had to, right? It's a couple blocks away from the hotel. The day could not have been more Seattle-y than I would have imagined. <laughs> it was like, it's cold, misty rain. Like, it's miserable. Uh, but it's nice. The downtown area is nice. Got some Cardinal fans running around down here as well. So, uh, I've enjoyed kind of walking about the city, even though it's very seattle and cold. Very good. Well, BT, we miss you, I was you, man. also a big waste. I was going to say real quick, I went to dinner with all the broadcasters. Went out last night. It was this really nice seafood oh, place. Oh, you don't and, like uh, you seafood. Know me, yeah, I ordered uh, chicken, and they all looked at me and the server as if I just ordered off the kids' menu. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I've just had so much seafood lately. I just can't, uh, I just, I can't do any more. But it's been fun so far. That's a good way to do it, though. Like, oh, I've just had so much seafood, I just I couldn't possibly do it. Because if you say, I don't like seafood, then inevitably it's going to be, oh, you haven't had such and such, the way they prepare it. Of course. And then you got to say no 14 times before you finally have to burn down the place and just get out. Jeez. Look, nope. I'm just going to start telling people I'm allergic. They don't push back on that. Oh, good call on that. Yeah. That's a great call. <laughs> That's a great call. <laughs> BT, man, we miss it. We love you. We'll see you next week. All right, sounds good, fellas. Have a great weekend. Take See you care. Later, That's Brad Thompson. It's our guy here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. He'll be on the call. Bally Sports Midwest as the Cardinals head on the road trip. They'll be in Seattle tonight for three. BT will be on the call alongside Chip Carey.
Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, can the Blues successfully balance speed and physicality with this specific group? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Craig and I are about the same age, so we both can probably learn a little bit on how we can affect positive change in younger people. But it's not really that complicated hockey. It's practice hard, have a good training camp, attention to details. Craig's going to get better. I'm going to get better. We're all going to get better. And if we're not, then we're all going to be replaced. How do you like that? Doug Armstrong. Tell him like it is. Yeah. He's right. We don't. If we don't get better in certain areas, you're going to get replaced. Everybody's everybody is replaceable. This group has done a tremendous job. Obviously, brought a Stanley Cup to St. Louis in 2019. There's a lot of work to be done. Doug Armstrong, Craig Berube, they know they know that more than anybody as they approach this offseason. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalzer, 303. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie, mm. do you think that this Blues team can successfully balance speed and physicality with this specific group? Because you, as you've illustrated, we've talked about it. You're not going to be able to bring in a, a, a bunch of free agents. You're not going to be able to make wholesale changes unless teams are willing to acquire some of some of these bigger contracts and free up some space we don't need to even go that down that route because it's it's unlikely for that to happen so again do you think that this blues team can balance speed and physicality with the current current group of players that they have i think they're headed in the right direction you look at look at some of your top end players is speed to burn there you've got kairu and thomas and verana abuchi's a fast skater um, Brandon Sod's a fast skater. You got lots of speed in this lineup. You, quite honestly, you were, I believe you were the best team off the rush in all of the National Hockey League. So you've already transformed this team, and, and people still haven't realized it. Now, the physicality part, it's not that you need to be uh, more physical, like overall, or try to you know, just absolutely run teams out of the building. It's just that you have to be smart physically. Like if I brought up to you, Anthony, a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, you'd say, and if I said to you, do you view him as a physical hockey player? Um, yeah, not. I mean, not overly physical. No, no, no. Does he lose puck battles though? Never. So there Rare, is a certain, rarely. There's a certain physicality that goes with that. David Perron albeit a pest and whatnot. He's not a physical no. presence. He's but not a guy that you... off a stick. Well, and he's not a guy that you look across the ice and go, woof, I got to make sure I don't get my get caught with my head down with David Perron out here. Right. No one, I don't know if anybody's ever said that. But down low in the corner, can you get the puck off of his stick? No. Does he shield the puck and protect the puck and play keep away with the best of them? Yes, there's a physicality to that. And why is there a physicality? Because you're forcing the other team to exert energy that they don't want to exert. So it's not always that smash mouth type play that tires a team out or wears them down. It's also playing physical offensively by protecting the puck, keeping the puck away from the opposition, and you grind them down that way. Okay, so great points. Thank you. You also mentioned two guys that aren't blues now. 
No, I understand. So do you have do you have players? And I understand your point on this. Physicality comes in different forms, essentially. But do you have players not like Ryan O'Reilly, who's who was your captain, and not like David Perron, who we all know very well how, how the the maturation process of David Perron and who he who he has who he has become as a player. But do you have players that can be physical in that way at least that are you know puck protectors that can win those puck battles in a similar manner that you're describing? Yeah, I think you got a couple of them. That's for sure. This is where the roster has to be built out still. But Jake Neighbors, great start to his career here in St. Louis. Injuries, of course, but the last piece of the season that we watched, he's one of those guys. He can either go through you or he can protect the puck and and work hard down low and win net front battles. Braden Shen, although we always circle you know, the fact that he, he, he'll he be a scud missile out there at times, he also protects the puck very well, plays hard down low. Brandon Sod is a guy that you don't view as a physical guy until you try and get the puck off him. When he's playing that cycle game effectively, when he's getting to the net front effectively, he's a difficult guy to play against. There's work to do. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this Blues team is tuned up right now to where we're like, woof, we're going to be there next year. No, I don't think I don't think this team is there yet. But you have to imagine a team where, let's just isolate some of the younger guys here. Jake Neighbors, he's going to take steps forward. The offseason, he's going to do things that improve his game. And when next season rolls around, you're like, wow, he's made some strides. Alexei Torpchenko is a guy, too, not blessed with a ton of you know, high-end hockey IQ when it comes to creating offense, but he's six foot six, skates as well as anybody in the league, and he protects the puck well, and he'll go to the net front. And we saw his his offensive numbers pick up towards the end of the season. So he's figuring out how to score goals in his way. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a guy, too, that teams are going to be like, okay, you better know when this guy's on the ice. He finishes all his hits. He's a big physical guy. Um, super fast, good defensively, got a good stick in the lanes. So there's, there's optimism there. I do feel like the physicality part of it is less important. And I know coming from me, that sounds crazy. But if you're a good checking team and you look at some of the best teams in the NHL right now, like the Edmonton Oilers up front, like Evander Kane's a physical guy. They've got a couple other physical guys. Clem Costin, he's playing great. The hell is that? <laughs> Anyways, they got some other guys. But Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, all these guys, they check extremely well. They use their speed. They check with their stick and with their brains. And I think that's where this team, when you talk about being tighter defensively, more tenacious defensively, it's not about the all-out physical massacre of a team. It's more about taking away time and space, having a good stick, and then having numbers in the right area to create turnovers. And now this is where your speed and your creativeness kicks in because once you get that turnover – this team has proven, if nothing else this year, that it can convert off the rush. Yeah. And so that's the key. Now, how do we get the puck back? Because we'd like to get back on the rush. And I think that's where the Blues will have to make some improvements as a team and obviously each guy individually. Did you see any holes in the in the forecheck this season? Yeah, oh, yeah, you... there are tons of them. There's lack of effort. Is that what it came down to? lack of effort. To? It was lack of effort. I, brought, I mean, how many times do you bring it up in here? Right. His guys, you know, you're supposed to be right in there eliminating the first guy, they call him the hunter, right? You get in there and it doesn't matter what you disrupt. You either have to get the body, you have to get a piece of the puck, you have to do something to disrupt. Seven times out of ten, it wasn't happening. So the defenseman or the other player was having time and space to make a play and usually change puck side. Well, what happens when you change the puck side is it opens up the entire ice surface now. 
So the 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 concept of a forecheck is to deny the back of the net, to deny changing puck sides so that you can outnumber them five guys on one ice, on one half of the ice. When you're not there in time, that just goes out the window. Forget it. Now they've got the whole ice to work with. Each team has skilled players that are able to make plays. And then if your first guy's there and your second guy isn't taking away the wall or closing out that area there, well, it's a quick bump pass, and then he's off to the races. So your defensemen have to hit the brakes. Your F3 can't really get into position. He's in scramble mode, or he's headed straight at the opposing player, which is easy then for a guy to make a play. If you don't have an angle in the NHL, you're, you're screwed. You're either burned or you're in the penalty box. So, yes, the forecheck had a ton of holes in it. And Craig Berube, towards the end of the season, switched things up a little bit. But basically all it was is we're going to be more aggressive, and if there's a mess up, it's on you. The F3 and the defenseman, it's on you. Because he had the he had the defenseman way more aggressive down the strong side, pinching. Anytime there was a hard rim, that defenseman was activating immediately. And the forward, who's the F3, the high guy, his job was to support back. And then, of course, the two guys that are down low, they've got to work their way back up through the middle of the ice with sticks in the passing lanes. So the forecheck was a big problem because this team generated so many opportunities in the past off of the forecheck. You get the puck, you control the puck that way, and you tire out the other team. So were there holes? Yeah. It's a massive part of their failures this year. That's Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast line on 101 at ESPN. We do need a new gauntlet contestant, so if you want to participate in the gauntlet, text in to our Air Comfort Service text line, and maybe you'll have an opportunity to play in the gauntlet coming up at 4 o'clock. We'll tell you the latest mini-scandal in the NFL and something that Jamie might be kind of excited about. This next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, a major gambling news this morning, a bombshell, four Lions players, one Commanders player suspended for violations of the NFL's gambling policy. That includes star receiver Jamison Williams of the Detroit Lions. I did not see that coming. I don't want to call it a scandal. I guess it's a mini Many scandal in the NFL, but the news broke. You just heard Ian Rappaport talk about it with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. The NFL suspended Jamison Williams card, uh, out of Cardinal Ritter, of course, right here in St. Louis. Suspended Lions receiver Jamison Williams for six games for violating the NFL's gambling policy. He wasn't the only player. Stanley Berryhill also received a six-game suspension. Fellow receiver Quintez Seferis and safety C.J. Moore were both slapped with year-long bans. Both were uh, suspended suspended by the NFL, but then released, subsequently released by the Lions. But Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill reportedly wagered on college football games, which is legal in the NFL. There's no, there's no policy or rule against betting on college football or the NBA or the NHL. You just can't do it in NFL facilities. And that is where Jamison Williams and some of these other players from the Lions were, were doing it from. So okay. they so, kind of got caught on a technicality. Yeah, well, so let's let's kind of um, dice this up a little bit here. Let's separate these things. 
one, you can't bet on your own sport. That I think everybody knows that. Right. That's just dumb. The other one, the other rule is kind of dumb. You're allowed to bet on anything you want except for your sport, but you can't do it at a team facility. Right. What the hell are we doing? Mm-hmm. Why? Tell me why. If it's a team rule because you want your guys focused and whatnot, you don't want them sitting there on their FanDuel sportsbook account, which they should have, using promo code FAST, of course. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, if they are in there, if it's not a team rule, why does the league care? Like, it's one thing to say, but hear me out, Anthony. It's one thing to say, you're not allowed to gamble. Okay, great. Now, Now you know that's a blanket rule. Like, you cannot gamble on your sport or any other sport. If you have an account, you're going to get suspended. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to say, you're allowed to bet on any sport you want except for your own sport, but you can't do it at a facility. Right. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And it's legal in Michigan. Yeah, I just... Sports betting is legal Doesn't that seem dumb? It's uh, Absolutely. This is... This is... uh, Well, it's... There's a double standard, and there's a, there's a little bit of a, hypo, a, a, a uh, some some uh, hypocrisy hypocrisy here with you, the NFL. You know I, I worked through it. I worked through it. I slowed that. down. Get you with your big boy and pants I actually, on. Huh? I actually said the word, yeah, that well I was done. looking for instead of pivoting to a, a you know a word that I could actually say. Mm. When it comes to the NFL, one of the most, I mean, look, the, there's nobody touches the NFL when it comes to the popularity of betting. And we get this question a lot where it's like, hey, would the TV ratings be as, you know, would the TV ratings be where they are without the popularity of fantasy football and betting with the NFL? No, absolutely not. So what does the NFL do? They they start to capitalize on it. And there's there are certain states, and again, Michigan's one of them. Missouri is not. Illinois is, where sports betting is not legal. So these players... Jamison Williams decide, okay, well, I'm going to throw some action on Alabama or whatever. Okay. But the NFL teams, to your point, are saying, well, you can't do it within within team facility. What? Like what? That's an optic thing to me. And that's the only thing. So now this, this, this kid gets suspended. And if he knew the rule and he did it anyways, then the punishment fits the crime. But if it's a situation where he didn't know it and, I don't know, the NFL it wasn't clear about it, then that's a shame. To your earlier point, if you bet like what Calvin Ridley did, where he actually bet on NFL games, well, that's just when you're supposed to have a mental, but you know, he checked out for for mental reasons. Okay, all right, that's serious. But then he was out there, he's, he's wagering on NFL games. That one's that one's pretty clear. So he's suspended a year. I couldn't agree more. Other than that, you know these these guys are now suspended six games because I, they, it just doesn't seem like it. It just doesn't seem like it makes any sense to me. You're allowed to bet anywhere you want. You step one foot outside the facility, have at it. Yeah, you're good. Right. But then you're in the facility. Again, let me go back to say if it's a team rule. Mm -hmm. If Dan Campbell said, hey, guys, we're not gambling at all inside this facility. You may get away with it here and there or whatnot. You're... You're in the bathroom, oh, yeah, you're having the old Deuce Bigelow, eh? you're placing a wager. You may get away with it, but if we catch you, internally we're suspending you for six games. Right. should be focused on playing football here. I, this seems like an inappropriate, or um, not inappropriate, it seems like an overreactive rule by the NFL. Right. It doesn't make any freaking sense. I'm with you. All right, transitioning here to something where Jamie, I think... 
is going to get pretty excited. Oh, baby. Here's Tom Brady. Oh. When asked if there's Come any on, if there's any truth to the rumors that hey, maybe he'd be interested in playing with the Miami Dolphins. Oh boy. Now that I'm not affiliated with any team anymore, and even though I have strong um, ties with a couple teams, I do have some friends on the Dolphins that I really like. So uh, I wouldn't say I necessarily root for them all the time, but I root for my friends to do well, and several of them play for Miami. So. Hmm. Wasn't a no. Wasn't a no. Wasn't a no, Jamie. He was asked about coming out of retirement playing for the Dolphins. If, and if the audio was hard to hear... This is what he actually said. So again, he was asked about coming out of the out of retirement and playing for the Dolphins. Tom Brady goes, "I will say now that I'm affiliated to I'm not affiliated with any team anymore, even though I have strong ties with a couple of teams. I do have some friends on the Dolphins that I really like. So I wouldn't say I necessarily root for them all the time, but I root for my friends to do well, and several of them play for Miami. Not a no. South Beach, Tom. Do you think it's let's go? Baby. Do you think it's possible that? Tom Brady sees how this situation plays out with the Dolphins and Tua. And Tua is coming, you know, Tua is going to come back. He had thought about it. He made the announcement that he did consider retirement, of course, because of his his health issues. Mm-hmm. He talked to his family about it and all that. And he decided, yes, he still he still wants to play. Not that Tom Brady is waiting for it or anticipating it, but do you see a scenario? Dolphins are quarterback needy at some point. Unfortunately, Tua suffers another injury. I hope it's not, you know, head really. I hope he doesn't get hurt at all. But let's or just he say he might just not be playing well whatever because it is. he's not all there do from you, a confidence standpoint. Do you see Tom Brady coming in like mid season? Don't do this to me, Anthony. You know I can't handle this stuff. Doesn't do the training camp. Okay. Well, so let's isolate this. If I'm the Dolphins ownership, GM slash coaching staff, Tom Brady just received a package in the mail. It's called the playbook. No, I'm serious. Along with that playbook comes an NDA, non-disclosure. He's going to be a member of the media, yeah. right? So you get, can't be talking about all our plays. But here, Tom, we know that in the morning, maybe sit on the throne, you want to look at a playbook from time to time. Well, here, we here's access to all of our video stuff, too. Throw that up on in the theater room. We want you to be prepared for your TV job. Oh, you just like football. Mm-hmm. You're a football nerd, right? Yeah. You love to watch video and do that. So we know you missed that part of the game. Here's what we have. And tell us what you think. Take a look at it. And what would you change? What do you like? What do you not like? You know, whatever. That's what I would do with Tom Brady. And that way there, three, four weeks in, five weeks in, if there's a problem of any kind... You can call Tom Brady, and guess what? He already knows the playbook. <laughs> I'm not joking, Anthony. I know you're not. I threw out the scenario. You just added to it. I think we're, you and I are on the same page as He this. knows the playbook. He comes in. He's going to need some reps, of course, to get, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, he's he's like 58 years old. The right. guy's going to need a little bit of warm-up 62, time 62, but yeah. Maybe. What, he looks great, though. Um, yeah, you start Skylar Thompson for a game. He gets his rear end kicked, and Tom Brady starts this the following there week. There you go. I actually feel like it's a genius idea. He may have no desire of coming back at all. He may have just been having fun doing the Tom Brady thing. Let me stoke the fire a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I'd still send him the damn playbook. Why not? If you don't like it, burn it. I yeah. don't care. Yeah, you just have it. You just you, you cost yourself a first round pick for flirting with them the first time. Yeah, they don't have a, the Dolphins don't have a first round pick next week because of that that whole, you know, 
Somebody was on a yacht, and another person on a boat. may have showed up. I believe that's how boat. the song goes, Anthony. I'm on a boat. I'm on a mm, boat. Yep. So Tom Brady coming back probably week six, I would say, with, for the Miami Dolphins. Out of boy, Tommy. Jamie will add them to his uh, growing list of football kids. Become my uh, my new youngest child. Yes. Because you well, you only have you only have two now. Why the Patriots are all the oldest? Yeah, Patriots are my first child. Yeah, the the middle child I think got the boot. Of course. Well, the middle child child had some issues, and uh, I just felt like the middle child needed to go off for a little bit. On uh, on his own? On his own. Hmm. And then um, maybe, maybe reconciliation in the future. And I still have my youngest. Uh, They got some hiccups. They got some guys are (laughs) throwing down some bets at the facility. Nonetheless, the youngest always make the mistakes, Anthony. That's why we're here to, to teach them. That's right. Yeah. The middle being the Bucks, the youngest being the Lions. And I uh, have another bedroom available. Come on, Dolphins. There you go. Maybe I have a uh, fish tank. Come on, Snowflake. <laughs> here, Snowflake. It's not Snowflake. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stoltzer, Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're going to be joined by Matt Holiday next, uh, the Cardinals Hall of Famer, of course, World Series champ. And one of the questions I have for him this week when it comes to hitting is actually with analytics and how much players are involved with the analytic process because this is something that fans, I think, grow frustrated with. I would love to know how much is actually in, you know shared with the players when it comes to analytics and how much they have a say in it. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. For the fast lane, Cardinals Hall of Famer and fifth member, Matt Holiday. We're hanging with Holiday on 101 ESPN. Powered by Air Alliance Team Heating and Cooling. Getting the job done quickly, correctly, 100% of the time. Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Salter. Matt Holliday, fifth member of the Fastlane, Cardinals Hall of Famer, World Series champ, Cardinals slugger, joins us right now. Matt, how's your week going? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. Thanks for joining us as always. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, I was thinking about this this morning, the, and I'll exaggerate just to get my point across, but you know, a lot of fans feel like, well, analytics have ruined baseball. Uh, analytics are ruining the game. It's a broad statement. Like I said, I'm exaggerating. It's a broad statement. I apologize. But my question for you, Matt, how much are players involved in analytics and uh, what the team shares with the player when it comes to analytics? And, hey, we could talk to you about launch angle and this, that, and the other. Is it a player-by-player situation to see how much they they want to learn about it? Or is it just a broad, hey, this is what we're going to – the information we're going to provide you? Can you shed some, some light on that? Yeah, I think that's a team-to-team thing. And then I think it's also a player-to-player thing. So I think, you know, more and more teams are hiring sort of liaisons to be able to take this information and pass it along to the players and and, and break it down into usable, um, maybe dumb it down a little bit and, and, and pass it along to the players. I think there's particularly veteran players have the opportunity to kind of say what they do and don't want or what's helpful and what's not helpful. I think younger players coming up are more used to uh, more of this information because I think it is a little bit more prevalent in the minor leagues and they're used to, to hearing some of these things. 
So I, uh, I, I think it, it kind of depends on what organization you're, you're talking about. And um, so I, I know that the Cardinals, you know, they have a, they have a, you know, a, a department that, that, that provides all the information and, and, uh, you know, and Ollie and, and the staff break it down and, and they, uh, you know, they, they try to figure out what, what's good and usable and, and maybe, you know, guys like Goldie and Nolan will say, Hey, uh, this is what I want out of this information. And, and, uh, and, and let me run with it. But I mean, I, I think it's all good stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's ruining the game. I, I think, I think that's, to me, that's, that's, uh, like overstating it. I mean, I, I think that, it, you know, like I said, as a player, um, if there's stuff that makes sense to me that helps me in my game, then give it to me. If it's too much or something that I don't really find helpful, then, then I can certainly ignore it or, or, or not take it into consideration. Matt, I've been a little bit fired up about uh, this next question here, and it's regarding uh, Nolan Gorman. The kid is absolutely just crushing baseballs, I mean, all year long, within the entire, all of baseball. He's one of the best hitters right now. Yet we still see a reluctance from Cardinals management or the coaching staff to have him bat against left-handed pitching. And look, I get the concept. It's not a great matchup. Maybe the numbers don't bear it out yet, or they're trying to build him up. But at some point, you got to let the dog eat a little bit, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had the specific numbers in front of me of, of what that looks like. To me, his swing seems a little bit more fundamentally sound this year, and I think the the numbers prove it out. So I would be interested to see what his his uh, his output could be um, facing more left-handed pitching. Um, so I, I think it's you know it's one of those deals where. Uh, yeah, I think eventually, Jamie, you, you want this guy to be able to, to face both both sides and, and feel comfortable. Um, but I think you have to earn that, too. And, and I don't know how um, what opportunities they're going to give him to earn the opportunity to face lefties. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me of, of what how bad his splits are. Um, but I, I do think at some point, um, as, as, as it, you know, the way he's hit this year, he looks more more and more like a potential kind of a cornerstone type of player uh, that you want to be able to just insert in the lineup and, and not really worry about who's pitching. But, um, you know, when, when, when given options, he's going to have to produce and, and, and give them, you know, enough production that, that uh, you know, he keeps getting those opportunities. Matt Holiday joining us right now on the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Matt, I, I understand that you haven't seen every single you know swing that Nolan Gorman has taken this year, but from games that you have seen, what has clicked for him thus far? What has impressed you? Well, I, I think his, from a fundamental standpoint, um, he's, he seems to be uh, much more uh, linear with his swing and, and not so out and around the ball. Um, I, I think he did a lot of work in the offseason um, with, with cleaning up some mechanical moves, not making him so pull happy and, uh, and, and, and easy to pitch to. So, um, it looks to me like uh, his, his load and his gather is slower and easier. Uh, his direction is much more in the middle of the field as opposed to sort of uh, starting to, to, to peel off towards the pull side, um, which causes a lot of swing and miss and, and pulls him underneath the high pitch. And uh, It looks like he's covering the high ball better. It looks like he's, he's, uh, he's using the, the, the big part of the field. Uh, better because he, he he has that kind of power. I mean, he's got he's got big time power. He doesn't have to pull the ball to hit it uh, hit it out of the park and 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 to and to produce. So uh, I, I think he's he's definitely uh, made an adjustment and and uh, so far it's 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 really paid off. 
Matt, another young guy uh, that has made a lot of headlines this year, and rightfully so, is Jordan Walker. He starts off the season with a 12-game hit streak, and then you know, kind of cooled off a little bit, found his way last game going two for four. But to your recollection, when you were a young guy, you know, coming into the majors, you know, how hard is it as a young guy to have that consistency? Because I think that the 12-game hitting streak, although it was awesome, I think some people's expectations after that were like, well, yeah. he's got to hit every game. or you know, he's, <laughs> What's he doing out there? But how hard is it for a young guy to to be consistent, especially in a, in, a, in a league where it's 162 games? Yeah, I mean, this is what happens. I mean, there's there's adjustments made, right? So, you know, the league sort of will try, um, you know, they'll try a, an approach with a guy and, and they'll pitch him a certain way. Um, and then, you know, if, if, he, if he really produces and he's hitting the pitches, uh, then they'll they'll change their patterns and they'll pitch him differently um, and they'll start to pitch him backwards and they'll start to they'll start to mess with him a little bit and then you know that that that's how it how it goes particularly with young hitters you know they're 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 kind of trying him out trying to figure him out trying to figure out what he likes and doesn't like um, and then you know it's his job to sort of adjust back and and you know kind of figure out you know his new approach or attack to how they're pitching him. Um, so it's a, it's a constant sort of back and forth. And as a 20 year old, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience with failure. He doesn't have a lot of experience with, with pitchers being able to sort of, uh, on the fly change approaches to him. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine. I think he's, he's, uh, he's talented and, and seems to be, um, uh, a smart hitter, a guy that, that uh, you know, can make adjustments, and that's what it'll take for him to be the kind of producer that that, uh, that we all think he can be. Matt, who was the guy early on in your career that gave you the most trouble? You mean the type of pitcher or a yeah. particular guy? Well, either way. I mean, if it's a type yeah. of pitcher, great, but if there was a specific, yeah. hit, a specific pitcher earlier in your career that you're like – Oh man, this guy's got me, you know, tied up in knots yeah. here. Well, you know, early in my career was kind of in the uh, Tim Lincecum was was uh, kind of in his, you know, really in his dominance and, and thinking about guys in the in the Western Division, um, you know, with the Giants and and uh, and and Brandon Webb was was a very difficult at bat for right hand hitters. Um, he had a huge sinker. I know I don't know if people remember how good he was. He had a couple year stretch where he was one of the best pitchers in the league and, sure. and uh, very difficult for right-hand hitters because he could, he could run it in on your hands and then he could, you know, he could, he could spin it away from you and, and had just a lot, a lot of movement. Um, so those, those guys, you know, kind of come to mind, but you know, for me, a guy that could run the ball in on my hands and then kind of make it split the plate where they're running it in and then sliding it down and away, you have to very, have a very, very fundamentally sound swing and you kind of have to pick one side of the plate or the other. The guys that tried to go north and south, I handled really well and, and really kind of fit my swing. Um, but, you know, the guys that could really run it in on me and, and then uh, make me conscious inside, uh, you know, they probably had the most success. What do you what do you do with a pitch that, that is riding in on your hands? You hope to take it and hope that it's a ball. Um, you know, I, I think that that's uh, until two strikes, if you can lay off of it. Sometimes we get stubborn as hitters and, we want to prove that we can handle it and, and, uh, and show that we can hit that pitch. And uh, we, we chase it off in. Uh, Jeff Samarja had an unbelievable sinker for a while there. It was high 90s where he could just really run it in right at your hands and it looked like a strike and, and then end up off the plate inside. So 
Um, it's one of those deals, uh, you know, if, if, if that's something you're not good at and you try to take it and then fight it off with two strikes and try to push them out over the plate. Um, but it's a, it's a tough pitch for big guys too, especially, um, you know, if you have a longer limbs, uh, you know, they want to try to keep the, keep the ball tight to you, um, and, and make you, you know, be the most efficient, that's the most efficient your swing can be is to try to get the barrel to a ball that's high and inside. So, um, that's a, it's a pitch that it's, it's not easy uh, to get to, and it's it's not really one that you want to build your swing to try to hit. When when they know you're going to spit on that pitch, though, what what's usually the counter? They try to go outside. Yeah, well, they have to. You, know, you have to push them out. If they can't locate that in there for a strike, you know, eventually they'll have to go back out over the plate where they're they're comfortable throwing strikes. Um, you know, you occasionally find a guy that's good at at pitching in for strikes, and and those guys can be tough, but. Um, the ones that, that are that are they want you to ones that look like a strike and, and end up being a ball, you know, kind of have that kind of movement where it starts out middle in and then runs in on your hands and runs off the plate. So if you can kind of spit on that uh, and then push them back out over the plate, uh, that's when you know you, you have a good chance to to get the barrel to it. So uh, that was that was always my play is to try to push them out out over the plate where that was my strength. Matt, we we always love listening to you talk about anything baseball-related, especially hitting. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Good talking to you guys. You too. Take care. See ya. That's our guy, Matt Holliday, Cardinals Hall of Famer, here in the fast line so on 101 ESPN. It's I mean, so I just, intriguing listening to guys, especially a guy like Matt Holliday, talk about you know taking pitches. and It's such a mind game, too, between the two, the pitcher and the hitter. Yeah. It's very fascinating. And the way that, you know, we're talking. We're talking to him about okay, who who gave you trouble? And he's talking about those pitchers that can throw you know something that that rides in on your hand. So it starts in the middle. Oh yeah. So when you start your swing, you're like, I got this. And then you jam. You either jam yeah. yourself on it, or you wind up swinging at a ball. And then immediately, it's okay. Well, if you take that pitch, what they're going to try to work you outside? Then it's just that mental that it's a mental cat part and mouse game. yeah and then of course you get you know like you've brought up Mark McGuire saying get up there swing and hit the ball <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's just just this unbelievable dynamic uh you know between one guy that could that could hit and another guy that could that, that's that a slugger it had two different approaches i think what else is crazy is you look at some of these pitchers and they're throwing pitches that look like fastballs like like Matt said, and then it ends up just dying on you. And it's amazing how these pitchers can pick up different arm slots that pitchers might have if they have a tell, and they pick that up within a split second, right. knowing that this pitcher is somewhat tipping his pitches, and they can connect on that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what these guys can do. Yeah. And it's even crazier that we give these players crap all the time <laughs> for not being able to this hit. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. Yeah, you'd go 0 for 100 with about 99 <laughs> strikeouts, dude. Try to foul off like two. Yeah. All right, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What's trending is next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Ooh. 
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, Lars Nupar, who's an international sensation now, the superstar, was on Team Japan during the World Baseball Classic and notable best friend now with Shohei Otani. He has a commercial out for glasses. He took a, uh, or he did a commercial um, for, I believe it's airing in Japan. Um, and he's wearing these glasses, and he also has a new line out with Arch Apparel, the Newt Bar. Uh, I don't know I the exact that. name. I saw on social media. Yeah, he, you know he's in a, a line for Arch Apparel, so he's pretty much everywhere, and he's back in the lineup. Uh, what do you guys make of Lars Newt Bar? Sort of, you know, being the the guy out and about now in St. Louis. Well, I think first of all, from a company standpoint, you always want to marry yourself to what's trending. I mean, that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so for Arch Apparel, I believe they had started uh, talks or launching whatever they're going to do before his massive success at the WBC. So that's that's also a talent too, recognizing an athlete or an individual that is about to peak and you get in a little bit before that so that you're not paying the top premium when, you know, you started talking beforehand. I love it. Great. Should, I'd like to see more of it going on with with more players. I'd love to see some of the other younger guys start to develop their own persona within the group. It doesn't have to be energetic, pepper grinder, all that craziness, but just their own individual style, their own individual personalities. Bring that to the table. I think there's, I personally don't feel there's enough behind the scenes type of stuff with these young athletes to where you get to really know them. Mm -hmm. And social media, used to be a great platform for that like 10 years ago ish it was great this is who i am now guys are they're, they're terrified i'm not writing anything on social media i'm not letting anybody know what i like or don't like even if you like a rock band or a type of food you get just murdered in the comments for it <laughs> okay no i'm good so social media, which started out to be like, well, we get to see what these guys are up to. Now they're like, no, they post nothing. <laughs> Is that a nightshade, you sick son of a... Yeah, it's terrible. Trying to eat vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the... I, it, this is always interesting to me. So Lars, Lars Newbar. Not somebody that you would think would have the popularity, not only here in St. Louis, but of course nationally. And it just hit. And I think that the best part of this is that Lars Nupar is himself. He's not trying to be somebody else. He's not acting, you know, a certain way just just so he could he can he can cash in on endorsement deals. And some people are like that. And if they do and we buy it, then you know, as consumers, well, it's on us. But I think Lars Nupar's popularity has has been organic, and that's been great to see. And Arch Apparel, I mean, how about how about a guy Aaron? Aaron was a friend of the show. Aaron was he on was? with us during. He is. What Aaron is. What you do of the show? He was on with us at one point. I think during the the pandemic. Yeah. He started Arch Apparel out of nowhere, and it's just completely grown in popularity. They have they have a great product. They've got I think two storefront two storefronts, and he's I, I've we've talked to him personally. I've conversed with him in social on social media, and he he is just a, an all around good dude. And obviously, and Jamie, you can certainly appreciate this because you're you're a, a savvy business guy too. Aaron at Archipel, he's got he's he's got a lot of savviness to him. 
So for oh, him yeah. to, like you said, get ahead of it, talk to Lars Newbar, and for them to partner up, good for them. Good for both of them. I think that's crazy to have the foresight knowing that he would end up becoming the, the type of international superstar that he is and that that dates back to last year too him bringing all that energy i think he's the perfect person the right age to do something like that mm-hmm. for arch apparel so um congrats to lars newpar and being in the commercial that's pretty cool too so uh, good for lars newpar uh good for mookie betts who was at chart stop last night for <laughs> the los angeles dodgers i mean this guy what an athlete. Is unbelievable. Not only can he play baseball very well, but we know that he is a great bowler as well. I mean, he's just everywhere, all over the diamond. So the Dodgers need a shortstop? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Paul I see DeYoung, the, line two. I see the wheels turning, absolutely. <laughs> Could be yours. Maybe, maybe not you only send Paulie D to mm. L.A. Mm. You get yourself. Uh, Mookie Betts? I like Mookie where you're Betts. at. Betts. Makes sense. It makes sense. Not only did he play shortstop, but uh, his wife had a child, and so he was at the hospital overnight, was sleeping in a chair, and then he got to the game about five minutes into the game. So, I mean, he went from being at the hospital right into the game and, and made a great play at shortstop, taking it on his own, something similar to what we saw uh, Mason Wynn do in spring training. So He's got that dad strength. Uh, man, I mean, he's just he's just an unbelievable all-around athlete, and I hate that he plays for the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's played for two of the teams that I just don't like. Dodgers and Red Sox. But man, I like Mookie Betts. <laughs> Is it because uh, you're a Giants fan growing up? Uh, that and I just don't like uh, Boston, the Red Sox, or the Bruins. That makes sense. Or the Patriots. Wow. Makes sense. Or the Eagles. Hmm. The Terriers. The Terriers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guys, last night, Joel Embiid got a flagrant one for hitting kicking. It. He got a flagrant one for hitting two. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I see what you did there. Yep. Jamie, you're so creative. And then James Harding got a flagrant two for hitting one? Question mark? No, yeah, it doesn't work no, that way. Might have went double down, yeah, two for two on two that for one. Two. Two for uh, two. You guys uh, saw what happened last night. What did you think of the whole situation? I mean, the Embiid one was nothing, really. I mean, he gets yeah. knocked to the ground. The guy dunks over him, stands over him, and then he kind of kicks at him to get him off of, like, standing over him. And the the, the player played it off like he got kicked into Pishnera's. Yeah. But he didn't. It was like the back of his leg, and so I think that's why. That's Claxton, right. I don't think you can kick an opponent. don't think that's probably part of the game. But at the same time, he didn't like. It's mm-hmm. not like he hit the Liberty Bells and rung them. Yeah, he just, <laughs> like, come on. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, the James Harden eject, eject, uh, ejection, that that one, that that was crap. Just a little cup check, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> Ball experienced it, unfortunately. Get you around. know, you're out there, your buddies walk by in a yeah. tight area. Yeah, bonk. Cup check. Yeah. Little radic bonk, little radic gotta, bonk yeah. on the Liberty Bells. And then you got to punch him right in the face. Mm-hmm. Say, so, yeah, I don't play that. Uh, but I don't know. When it, yeah, I don't think I don't think that James Harden should have been ejected after that. It was basically a a make 
I, it wasn't even a make up. It was just we saw what Embiid did. We're not going to stand for it. And then right. and then they ejected him. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't love that. Uh, from the NBA playoffs to the NHL playoffs last night, the Toronto Maple Leafs even the series with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They won seven to two, and former Blues captain Ryan O'Reilly was tied with John Tavares, leading the way with six shots on net. He recorded an assist last night. Uh, man, it's just super, super sad watching him produce for another team. Why? We're not in it. Jeremiah, Jamie, root for him. Yeah. I mean, it's bittersweet. Why? Because well, I like Ryan O'Reilly and I well, don't like the sound Maple like Leafs. It, it doesn't sound like it. You know, support comes in various forms. Mm-hmm. And support just can't come when you agree that you uh, like uh, a player and what he's wearing. You know? If he's wearing your sweater, then you're not going to support him in other areas. I don't like it, Marsh. I feel I like Ryan O'Reilly would like we support should, you. Yeah, you know? and I don't think he'd uh, cherry pick mm-hmm. when he supports you. Good call. When it's when it works out for him, especially if his when he's happy. Radio station was like out of the playoffs. He'd wow. come over and support you. On Absolutely. Your radio Am I being that You're mean being right now? Am I being that negative? Yeah. You're I'm just being, saying it's bittersweet seeing it happen. You're being how you normally are to oh, great geez. people in the gauntlet, which is next on one of Winnie's Wow. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Four oh two. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Marsh, who's our gauntlet contestant today? We have Chad today. What up, Chad? What's up, guys? How's it going? Doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You off work yet? Are you in a coat closet somewhere? Uh, I went outside. I'm working from home today. Okay. All right. Good stuff. So. All right. For, first time in the gauntlet. This is my first time in the gauntlet. Welcome in, my friend. Would you like to take you. would you like to take on Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself today? Okay, so here's my logic here. Oh, I like this. I like the breakdown. Oh boy. <laughs> I was hoping to get hockey, so I don't want to get Rivs or Marsh. But all my coworkers said that Marsh was the hottest and they want me to go against him. Jeez. You, I mean, you are a good-looking guy, Marsh. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody's I don't think wow. anybody's going to disagree with that. So, so are you taking on Marsh? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Must be the mullet. It's the mullet. Yeah. It's the hair. You just uh, you got it working. All right, Marsh, you ready? I'm ready to okay. spin that wheel, but Chad's got to let me know. Spin that wheel. All right, so Marsh is going to make his way into the cone of silence right now. Chad, give me a category you want. Give me a category you don't want. Uh, hockey would be my first one. I think baseball might be my weakest one. Okay, so hockey would be the, the sport that you'd want. Yes, sir. Well, hockey must have thought, or the wheel must have thought that I was doing the gauntlet because it is hockey today. Okay, all right, let's go. Chad got what he wanted. Jamie's got the launch codes. Give them to me. Thank Ow. you, sir. Paper cut. Yeah, Anthony. you're all right. You're all right. Jerk. You're a tough guy. You're from Canada. The paper cut. Put some maple syrup on it. All right, Chad, you ready? 
I'm ready. Okay, everybody knows. Four questions to Chad. Same four hockey questions to Marsh. Each question is worth two points unless they need the options. Those questions become worth one point. Here we go, Chad. Which WHL team does Connor Bedard play for? Which WHL team? I'm sorry, WHL team does Connor Bedard play for? I think I just said the right thing. For some reason, I thought I added an A. You did it right. Thanks. That's when you just back away. Thanks, Jamie. I might throw this out here. Uh, I'm going to go with Regina. Final answer? Final answer. All right, question two here. The Seattle Kraken had a 40-point improvement in the standings from last season to this season. Which team in the Eastern Conference had a 49-point improvement in the standings from last year to this year? Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the options. Was it the Buffalo Sabres, the New Jersey Devils, or the New York Islanders? That's tough. Um, I'm going to go with the Sabres. Final answer. Question number three, Chad. How many different Blues players scored 20 or more goals this season? This season? Yep. Let's go... Hmm. I'll go three, final answer. Yep. All right, final question here. Question number four. Back in November, which team did the Blues beat to snap their eight-game losing streak? Hmm. I should remember that. Uh, But I'm going to take the options on that one. All right. Was it the San Jose Sharks, the Vegas Golden Knights, or the Colorado Avalanche? Um, I'll go... I'll go with the Avalanche final answer. All right, let's bring back Marsh. How are you feeling, Chad? You wanted hockey. Mm, not great. Okay. Marsh is making his way back. Marsh is making his way back from the Kona Sons. Either way, it's Friday. Friday, All right, Marsh. Don't worry, gentlemen. That song will play today. Good. Marsh, how you feeling? Feeling good. Listening to some Blink-182 in there. Okay. I'm ready to go. Jamie, why don't you go ahead and tell Marsh? Oh, you better pack a lunch. Marsh, oh, wow. your category today. It's hockey. Ooh, okay. Question one. Which WHL team does Connor Bedard play for? Uh, he plays for, well, actually his career's over, but it was the Regina Pats. Final answer. Question number two. The Seattle Kraken had a 40-point improvement in the standings from last season to this season. Which team in the Eastern Conference had a 49-point improvement in the standings from last season to this season? Ooh. You know what? I have a feeling it's the New York Islanders because they had a bad start to the year last year. Barry Trotz was fired, and now they are in the playoffs. So that's a team. The New New Jersey Devils come to mind as well. But uh, I'm going to go with the New York Islanders. Final answer. 
Question number three. How many different Blues players scored 20 or more goals this season? Oh, wow. I'm going to need the options on that one. Three, four, or five? Um, wow. Let's go with four. My lucky number, four. Final answer. All right, Marshy. Final question of the day. Back in November... Which team did the Blues beat to snap their eight-game losing streak? Wow. To snap their eight-game losing streak. Um, I feel like it was the San Jose Sharks for some reason. But just to be safe, I'm going to need the pack of lunch. Uh, You said that with conviction, Jamie. Now let's use the options. All right. Was it the Vegas Golden Knights, San Jose Sharks, or the Colorado Avalanche? Okay. You know what? It might have been... No. It was the San Jose Sharks. And then I believe they played Vegas and beat them too. And we're like, oh, what's going on here? I'm going to go with the San Jose Sharks, final answer. And I'm hoping it wasn't flip-flopped. Because I do remember them beating Vegas. And I remember Brandon Kylie tweeting it would be something if the Blues beat Vegas after losing eight straight games. So, uh, San Jose Sharks final answer. Okay. Uh, Chad versus Marsh today in hockey. Question number one. Which WHL team does Connor Bedard play for? Chad, you went with Regina. Marsh, you went with Regina. Correct answer is? Well, it's definitely Regina. But... Neither of you needed the options. Nice job, guys. 2-2 tie between Chad and Marsh. The Seattle Kraken had a 40-point improvement in the standings from last season to this season. Which team in the Eastern Conference had a 49-point improvement in the standings from last season to this season? Chad, with the options, you went with the Buffalo Sabres, also known as the Buffalo Buffaloes. Good one. Marsh, without the options... You went with Jamie's New York Islanders, who were, in fact, an option. We know this because Chad, again, took the options. So Chad went with the Sabres. Marsh went with the Islanders. Answer is... The New Jersey Devils. Oh, the Devils were the team. The Devils were the team. So still a 2-2 tie between Chad and Marsh. Back in November, which team did the Blues beat to snap their eight-game losing streak? Chad, you... Took the options. You went with the Colorado Avalanche. Marsh, you took the options after kind of debating, going back and forth. Sharks, Knights. Uh, you said Sharks initially, so you stuck with the Sharks, but eventually took the options and then went San Jose. Correct answer is 
Anthony San Jose Sharks. Nice job, Marsh. I think the Blues might have lost to the Avalanche in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. We'll have to check that later. Marsh has a 3-2 lead over Chad. Final question. How many different Blues players scored 20 or more goals this season? Chad, you went three. Marsh, you went four. Correct answer is... It was three. Nice job, Chad. Who didn't need the options, Chad? You have chosen wisely. Marsh, if we review this... If we review this... If you just went with Sharks on the final question... You win. Yeah, I mean, that happens. You would have tied. Tied. Yes, that's correct. Thank yeah. you, Jamie. Tied. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, but nonetheless, Chad, you win today. Four to three over Marsh. Congratulations. You get to party all weekend. Thank you. Yeah, I'll party all weekend. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Sounds good. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thanks. You do. All right. Good job. Nice job, Chad. Those uh, 20 goal scorers were Jordan Cairo, Pavel Buchnevich, and Braden Shen. Mm. That's correct. So Chad went with three. Didn't use the options. Damn. He got go, Marshy. That was my first hockey loss, too. Oh, man. You were there. You were right there. I was right there. I should have went with the options. Oh, well. That was a close one. It was a good one. It was. We'll talk to Chad on Monday. Yes, sir. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Will better timely hitting lead to more consistency with this offense? In fact, is that really the only thing holding this offense back? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stoltz. The Cardinals back in action tonight. They'll take on George Kirby and the Mariners at 9-10. Steven Matz will take the hill for the Cardinals. And a lot of attention certainly is going to be on Matz, who makes his third start, I believe, of the season. He's 0-2, 6.48 ERA. George Kirby a little better than that, though. He's 1-1, 3-7-8. Matz does have a one and zero record, guys, in his uh, in his career against Seattle. So that's good. ERA still four seven zero though ah. in those two two career starts. So George Kirby sounds like an SEC football coach. George Kirby, like Kirby Smart. Yeah. The offense will likely have to be in uh, full force tonight, boys. Do you think as long it, it, it it's had to be all year? It has, yeah. Quite honestly, this offense has not been bad. This offense may have not. It, it hasn't lived up maybe to the expectations, but do you guys believe that if if they get simply more t- timely hitting, they drive in more runners? With it doesn't have to be at a at a historic clip, but they simply get better timely hitting. That this offense goes from inconsistent to potentially great. Well, this offense already ranks at the top of the league in several categories, right? Except for runners in scoring position. We talked about this I think, yesterday or the day before. I don't know. It's all a blur to me. But I know we did talk about it. And in OBP, OPS, they were right at the top of the league. In fact, they were first then. Things have changed. A couple of days changed things. But So I'm not worried about this team offensively, except for when it matters. And I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> no, right? No, you're right, you're right though. But they're up there. They They were, what, top five in walk rate, top ten in – or. I think sixth at that point in strikeouts. 
Like everything is the way you look at it, everything matches up to be like this team offensively is a juggernaut. And they are. They have been at times. Mm-hmm. And other times they leave everybody from the roster on base. Right. They go over go for leave eleven guys or twelve guys on base. One game I think it was like nineteen. Is that all? It's terrible. So that's it. For me, if you can get some timely hitting, to your point, Anthony, I like the way you word that. Thank you. Your refusal to use the word clutch. clutch yeah. Yeah. It's a strong in you. Thank the you. force is strong <laughs> in this one. It was funny when I was typing this out. When I was adding this to our Google Doc, I had clutch first. I'm like, I don't like it. Yeah. I changed timely. it to timely. Yeah. You need Here. thesaurus.com. He's a I, yeah, new word. of course. Look at me. You won't tell Cardinals him. Cardinals are putting say. the word not in juggernaut for yeah, sure. Yeah, they are. Oh, that's wow. for sure. Wow. Yeah. So for me, it's timely slash clutch hitting for the Cardinals. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you, Jamie. It really is. It's not simple because, of course, driving runners in is, you know, it's it's not it's not something that every team is gonna is gonna do at a high percentage. It's just the teams that do it. Uh, they're they're going to win more more games. That's the bottom line. But can this team hit for average? Yes. Can this team get on base? Yes. Can this team slug? Yes. OPS. Second, yes. Second in the National WRC League. WRC plus. WRC plus. Weighted runs created yes. plus. Park adjusted. Good. Excellent. Wonderful. One thing they can't do is get what? runners in. Oh. So it's kind of like you make this meal. The old, the old lob. Right. Left on base. <laughs> the, old, the old lob gets you every time, doesn't it? Good, great, grand, wonderful. Let's leave runners on base. This is it, guys. I don't think any of us really cook. Like, we may cook. Oh, I cook a lot, Anthony. Do you cook? I a do. lot? A lot. Okay. I've been forced to. Mm-hmm. Get a nice Makes bourbon. sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, you go through a divorce, Anthony, you're forced to do things maybe you haven't done before. Okay, there you go. So, you, Jamie, you cook. It's almost It's almost I like... like cook. It's almost like cooking a nice meal. So you go to the grocery store, you get the perfect ingredients, you get fresh ingredients, you bring them home, right? You chop them up, you're ready to go, so right? Good. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah this is great. Mm. You, you cook the meat perfectly, okay? You don't overcook it. It's not dry. Oh. It's seasoned with perfection. You don't cut it. You let the juices run yeah. back in. Oh, it's perfect, mm. right? You got it all there on the plates, and you're like, now I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, and you knock it over right on the ground. <laughs> a dog jumps up and grabs dog it. Dog jumps up, eats it right in front of you. There's, no, there's nothing you can do. That's essentially the Cardinals' offense. They know how to do everything else but eat the damn meal that they provide Anthony, themselves. for the foreseeable future, every night when I sit down to eat, I'm going to think of the Cardinals. <laughs> and I'm going to be, like, guarding my plate. Like the you're dogs, in prison. It's like, yeah, like, ah, ah, I'm not going to Cardinal me tonight. Right. I'm going to eat this meal. You six. Oh, yep. That's what it is, though. <laughs> they're getting guys on. They're hitting for average. You know, slugging, I think they're seventh right now uh, in MLB. OPS, I said National League they're second. They're, they're actually second in, in all of baseball for OPS. They've got all of the ingredients. They're cooking the meal perfectly. And then when it's time to eat, when it's time to deliver, they knock the damn thing on the on the ground. Mm. When you're talking about the offense, we're not talking about the team. We're not talking about the pitching staff. We're not talking, hey, what's going on? You guys got to concentrate more on the pitching. First of all, back off. Okay? It's a Friday and we're trying to have fun. Wow. Second of all, let's just focus in on the hitting. And that is the biggest issue right now with this offense. We have a text from the 636, another great, uh, um, what would you call it, like a metaphor 
I guess is what we're we're using. Getting all the food prepped for the grill and realizing you're out of propane. Oh, that almost happened that to me sucks. the other night. Did it? I had all the kids over. I'd like, we're, I was cooking. I like 24 burgers, cheddar brats, and all oh, this man. had it all lined up. Yeah. And I started, you know, like, came on. I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, then you go back a couple minutes later, just give a little hand drive by. Is it warming up here? Is it warming up? And it wasn't. Oh, no. What the hell? And then I kind of give a little lift to the tank. It's way too light. I'm like, son of a. Look out in the garage and look around all of a sudden. Bam, right there in the corner of the garage, tucked away on the side. I had thought I had, Anthony. Did you? Nice Over job. Over a year ago, I thought I had. Really? I probably made a mistake somehow and forgot I already had a tank. I was about to say, how'd you wind up with two tanks? But You just buy them, Anthony. Good for you. Yeah. And then that way, what you do is you swap one in and out. That so makes you never, sense. Yeah. But I didn't realize I had done it. I'm learning so much from you. Yeah. You know what that's like? It's like not starting Nolan Gorman because there's a lefty on the mound, uh-huh. but then bringing him in. Later in the game, and then him hitting a grand slam. Sure, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are all about the metaphors today. Yeah, we are. I like that. Yeah. Oh, Anthony, charcoal guy got me already. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, charcoal guy Three usually comes in. Who with grills that. with gas? Yeah, there you go. Oh come on! <laughs> all those beautiful stoves that you eat at the five star restaurants; those are gas stoves. That's he doesn't go there. Oh, well, probably. It's charcoal. It's charcoal or nothing. Charcoal. I love charcoal, but like, come on. Come on. May as well use your stove. Okay, charcoal guy. <laughs> back off. Seriously. Again, it's a Friday. It's a fast lane on 101 at ESPN. The final grades are in for the Blues, and I'm sure they're all great. We'll uh, we'll go over them next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, Anthony, get it. Anthony, you must have been a heck of an aerobics teacher back in the 90s, 80s, but yeah. A phenom. I could see Anthony in those those tights. Yeah. You know, with the leg warmers, just getting after it. Yeah. I think I was eight. High knees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like Russell Wilson. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Russell Wilson on a plane to yeah. London. Like-ish. Yep. No doubt. Uh-huh. Well done, Anthony. It was a Anthony. band also in the 90s. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie yeah, Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marsh, if you got a question for us, we do have our sports six-pack coming up in about 15 minutes. 314-399-9646 the Air Comfort Service tax line. Again, 314-399-9646 the Air Comfort Service tax line. Sports six-pack coming up in 15 minutes. But to get those questions in now. So the final grades are out, Jamie, for the uh, St. Louis Blues. All right, Anthony, did you get a hold of them? No, did I didn't. No, I didn't. I was hoping... Uh... I was hoping you'd fix these a little bit. No, I learned my lesson. Our guy, JR, man. Tough grader. Well, I thought he was fair. I didn't say he wasn't fair. He said he's tough. Yeah. You're allowed to be both, Anthony. You know what? Sometimes being fair is being tough. Okay. All right. Take it easy over there. Well, you're the one. You know what this is, Marsh? What is it? This is Jamie projecting because... (laughs) charcoal guy 
and get your get your uh, thermometer on oh, yeah. your tank the gauge. tank they tank make a gauge, gauge guy. Like yeah. I want to put a little stick on gauge every freaking time I buy a tank. <laughs> no, I like to play gas tank roulette, exactly. baby. Stop yelling at me. It's part, no, it's part of the fun. It you is. No, you don't know if that thing's gonna fire up. No. You know? That's right. It, 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 is, is my family going to yell at me because the food's ready and I didn't prepare or not? This is part of the fun. And I don't know what this means. But it says, I don't know why, but I figured Jamie for a pellet grill type of guy. What, what does that mean? Pellet what does that mean? Grill. Pellet yeah. grill. I don't know. I know they got those little pellets. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it but means. I don't know, why I don't know if it's an insult or a compliment. I haven't figured it out yet. You always read it as I always read angry. Angry. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that place. Sorry, okay. Oh, these things are See? actually pretty sweet. Pellet grill? Yeah. Jamie, I love you. <laughs> Why are you so mad at me? Yeah. See? Anyways, all right. Uh, let's go over this. Robert Bortuzzo, he received a B, Jamie. A B. I'm sorry? Robert Bortuzzo, he received a B. Okay. We went over the forwards yesterday. You okay with it? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Ish. Justin Falk, B+. Plus. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Justin Falk was your best defenseman overall. And the fact that you got a B-plus kind of tells you the tale of the season. Yeah. Uh, look, he played 23 minutes, 23 seconds of ice time per game. Um, and he, he was on the ice for a lot of five-on-five five goals against, but you're playing that much. Right. The, the odds catch up to you. Uh, he set a career high in assists with 39 and points with 50. So he was he was doing his part, pulling his weight there. I never felt like Justin Falk didn't show up. Never felt that way. I felt like he was trying. I felt like the effort was there. I think there was some fatigue at times, but I, I'm good with the B plus. Again, I I feel like he was your best overall defenseman all year. Tory Krug, save him. I almost said I'm going to save this mm, one. Let's save that one. So we will. Nick Letty, D minus. D minus. Yeah. Um. I get. I'd have to agree. With that, especially after the expectations uh, for what Nick Letty could be this year, the way he finished Mm -hmm. the season prior. And it just didn't click until the very end for both Letty and Pareko. And we'll get into Pareko here in a second, but he just, for me, Nick Letty wasn't using his feet the right way. You know, he's a guy that can skate himself out of trouble. Yet he wasn't moving his feet, and there were a lot of turnovers, and he's usually a, one of the best exit-passing defensemen, transition tape-to-tape. Tape. Like, it just, there was a miss somewhere this year for the most of the year for Nick Letty. And so I, I think that uh, that's a guy that he's going to go home now here in the offseason. I think he's going to get after it. He's got a lot of pride, and I know he wasn't happy with the way things went, but I think the grade's appropriate. Nico Mikula, C-. minus. Yeah, C, C minus, anywhere in there. I mean, this is your third pair defenseman, right? It, you know, you're, if you're grading him against the group, yeah, C, somewhere in there. Colton Pareko, D minus. Yeah, it's a tough year for Colton, and we just talked about his partner, Nick Letty, for most of the season. He got a D minus too. I think they share that together. You know, Pareko was the second highest playing time per game behind Justin Falk. But it, was a, it wasn't a good year for Colton Pareko overall. Now there was an uptick towards the end of the season, much like Nick Letty, and maybe the two went hand-in-hand, hand, where they both, uh, one started playing better and drugged the other one, or vice versa. But I'll go back to 
the game against San Jose night before the trade deadline is the best hockey game I've seen Colton Pareko play in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And he built some momentum up for himself. Started playing more assertive, more aggressive. He was skating better. He joined the attack a lot more to finish the season. Look, you're never going to polish up a season entirely from the trade deadline on. But I felt he took steps in the right direction. Unfortunately, a lot of the year was not where you needed it to be and certainly not where Colton Pareko wanted it to be. So, again, um, I'll agree with JR with the D-. Callie Rosen. A plus. Yeah, I don't know if it's an A plus. Like, I think sometimes we celebrate the performance of someone who plays pretty well, but next to some of the other guys who didn't play well, and you're like, wow, he was really good. Yeah. I would say for what Callie Rosen's supposed to bring to the table, splitting hairs here again. Sure. I would have given him an A. All right. You know, a plus sounds like really riv, but you know, yeah, there's I a difference you. there. Marco Scandella B. I would agree with that, actually. He barely played, which... 20 games. Which stinks. Battling injury the whole year. And then when he came back, when, when Marco Scandella came back, it was the best I'd seen him play since the very first time he got here to St. Louis. When Doug Armstrong offered him that contract extension. And this is where people have to realize, like, GMs can't necessarily forecast the future when it comes to injuries. Mm-hmm. And what he saw out of Marco Scandella, I think what we all saw out of Marco Scandella when he first got here was, man, we found a partner for Colton Pareko. Because Jay Bomeister, um, that whole situation had happened you know, weeks before whatnot. And this time when Marco Scandella came back from injury, he played very well. I, I was thoroughly impressed with the way he played. It's unfortunate then he ends up with a broken bone in his foot. Yeah. And he actually wanted to try and play through it. And the training staff had to step in and say, listen, dude, uh, there's no playoffs this year. There's no point. Get healthy. Last thing you need is this thing to heal wrong or improperly, and then you're still you're in a boot two and a half, three months from now, and you can't get to your offseason program. Yeah. So I would agree with the B. Tyler Tucker, B-. minus. Yeah, perfect. Tyler Tucker came out of nowhere. I don't even know if Blues fans had heard of Tyler Tucker. And he steps up and he gets into the lineup, plays very well. And is another guy like Torpchenko, a couple of years ago, you knew after Chief and this coaching staff saw him in Army, they're like, whoa, we like this guy. He's going to be around. He's going to have a chance to make our club next year. Tyler Tucker's in the same boat. All right. You want to go to the goalies or you want to circle back to Krug? No, we're going to just move on. Go to a break. Tori Krug. <laughs> F. Harsh. Harsh. But. Fair. Fair. If you take it, here's the way you have to look at it, and it's hard sometimes because you look at the player and you go, "Man, he he's better than that." But you have to hold the player accountable to what you think they can be. Mm-hmm. So it's not Tory Krug versus Tyler Tucker. It's not Tory Krug versus Callie Rosen. It's Tory Krug against Tory Krug, the player that you signed here long term at big money. It's Tory Krug, the guy you played against in the Stanley Cup final, like. That's the guy you're comparing him to. We didn't get that this year. Tory Krug will tell you flat out himself that this was not a good year. Had troubles uh, staying healthy. And then defensively, as a group, that was not good. Individually, not good. And then the one thing that 
kind of was his separator that has been his separator his entire career is the ability to run a top-notch power play. Now, the power play's you know, lack of success doesn't fall solely on the shoulders of Tory Krug. But if you're evaluating this player against himself or a version of himself, it wasn't what you needed. It, it didn't get the job done. The power play was not good this year. So if you're defensively, you're not great. Offensively, you're not bringing it to the table where you need it to be. And that's a failure, unfortunately. Uh, the goalies, Jordan Biddington got a B, and uh, Thomas Grice got a B-, minus. Joel Holfer, B+. Plus. I think that's fair. I think all of those are fair. I know that our text line, our fans have probably pushed back on the Jordan Bennington getting a B. I don't push back on that. Um, you know, I, I still I saw a lot of really positive things from Jordan Bennington, specifically his compete level. And did he get frustrated a couple of times? Who wouldn't have this year? Who wouldn't have? I look forward to seeing Bennington next year sharing the net with Joel Hofer. I think that tandem is going to be top five in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it right now. That tandem will be top five in the NHL, and fans will be very pleased that, one, you have Jordan Bennington under contract and part of this team, and, two, you're looking at the future of Joel Hofer, and you're pretty happy about that, too. Craig Berube, D, Doug Armstrong, F. Wow, JR. Um. Wow, okay. So I, it's tough. These, are, these guys are the top of the food chain. Top of the food chain, and the team just didn't perform well. So if we go in chronological order here, the team has to be assembled before it can be coached. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Army had some really tough decisions to make in, in the offseason last year. Tough decisions to make in season this year. And the team didn't perform well. So the decisions that you make, ultimately, if the team doesn't perform well, those are failures. It doesn't mean that some of those players that he got or things that he did won't turn into future successes. But right now, in the moment, your team didn't make the playoffs, and it was one of the worst years you've had in a long time. That's a fail. And I think Army would say that. Army, in his own press conference, says, you know, all roads lead back to me. Mm -hmm. That's what leadership does. That's what leadership does. So Army's a prideful guy. I guarantee you he's not going to make the same mistakes. I think he's going to learn. I think he will evolve. I think Army is going to have to take a step back for the first time in a long time, if ever, as a general manager and president, and look at his own deficiencies, just like we all do. Well, what? where did I go wrong? What have I been doing in the last four or five years? What's something I could change? And I think that he'll learn a little bit about himself, and if he has really good friends and support group around him professionally – They'll tell him what they think, good and bad. And then I think he's going to write the ship. I think it's going to be a lot sooner than we expected. I think he made some really good moves at the deadline. I think that everybody would agree that those paid off, and they're giving you at least a springboard into next season. But, yeah, I mean, it's harsh, but it's fair. And Craig Berube, a D, it's tough. You know, he was an A-plus last year in this grading, and you certainly can't be anywhere near that when your team doesn't perform well, whether it was systems, assistant coaches, penalty kill, power play. Who's at the top of the food chain? Craig Berube. Craig Berube. So he suffers the consequences when it comes to grading things. Again, though, much like Army, Chief's going to bounce back. Chief's going to be way more on top of things than he was before. I think Chief, if he had a criticism of himself, 
would be that he trusted the players to drive the bus maybe a little too much because they had been doing it so well in the past. I think you're going to see a, a way more involved Craig Berube in this offseason and the start of the next season to get this thing going. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. If you got a question for us in our Sports 6-Pack, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Sports 6-Pack next in the Fastlane. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. <laughs> it's fast lane on 101 ESPN. Time for our sports six pack. Go for it. Question Mark. number one. From the 314 MMA related. Would you rather fight a hundred kindergartners or a bear with sharks for arms? I'd rather not fight kids, but I don't want to face a bear with sharks for arms. Think about that. Every time he throws a punch, it's biting you. Biting the heck out of you with rows of sharp teeth. You could punch it right in the nose, though. I'm pretty sure. He'd probably catch my... No, that's a shark. Yeah, the sharks are for arms, though. Yeah, what if you miss, Marshy? He's got two sharks on each hand. You go to punch the one shark, he's coming in with the left hook. There goes half your face. Dodge it. If you can dodge ball, you can dodge a, sh- a bear with sharks for arms. You'd be throwing the fist, and then a shark would just open his mouth. Mm-hmm. Ah, Anthony, the shark will probably enjoy hanging out with you, though. He's That's true. He, he might just not even bite you. All right, Anthony, 100 kindergartners. How many? <laughs> honestly, lot. though, 100 kindergartners. Could you take them, Anthony? That's a lot of kindergartners. Yeah, they're not interested in fighting. No, but if they're all like rabid little beasts. Like they're be all tough. Like, you know, be, you, you tie yourself out a little bit, but think yeah. Think about it. Like a kindergartner was at five, mm. right? Four or five? Five years. Like it's five. five. Or six. Uh, well, it, it depends. Depends on when they were born. Mm-hmm. What I month can't they were imagine born. a lot. My of them daughter can, at kindergarten was five. I can't imagine a lot of them can take a good punch. So no. you might make quick work of a lot of them early. Keep your energy going. Billy we're, Madison. We're not hitting kids. So <laughs> give me. I give had me a the choice bear. to make. I'm not hitting a kid. Billy so Madison give me the, did give me quick the, work with the dodgeball. Give me the bear with shark arms, and I'll take my chances. But I'm not going to hit a kindergartner. Anthony, you're such a fraud. <laughs> you're such a fraud. Just answer the question correctly. I, you're not fighting a bear. You know you're not fighting a bear. You will 100 yeah, I'm going to get destroyed. No, 100%. You would be it. lined up with 100 kindergartners in a second. You'd be like, let's go. Let's party. <laughs> what if A bear. What if... Uh, so, okay. So Killian is going to kindergarten kindergarten next next well, year. That's his fault. He shouldn't have been in kindergarten. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> he shouldn't have been standing there. Honestly, with the way that kid operates, uh, I I don't want him to get a bunch of his friends together and like, hey, listen, this is how we're gonna do. Maybe this. he's the one you make the example of though first, because no. he's top of the food chain. A no, lot I'll of fight the bear. A lot of texters are saying they'd pick one up and swing him around. Is that from a movie? <laughs> Probably, Probably. Step Brothers. When they yeah, fight the those end kids. of the yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's tough. An MMA question. It's right. terrible. Question number two. 
All right, from the 618, do you think given the players you have on defense, it would be beneficial to run a 1-3-1 neutral zone trap? Oh, my God. What, is this Roger Nielsen on line two here? <laughs> my God. The 1-3-1. Because the LA Kings do it? Answer the question, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie, you're a fraud. <laughs> Good call. A 1-3-1 works if you have the right commitment from the guys to do it. I, and you have the right personnel. It's a very disciplined, defensive-minded strategy. I don't see the Blues doing that. I just don't. Most teams don't do it, and only certain teams that do it are successful with it. The other ones get absolutely mutilated. So, yeah, my answer was going to be no on that. Question number three. From the 636, describe your ideal Friday night after the show. Oh, on air? Hmm. You know, if it if it were just a little bit warmer, good weather, grill something, have the kids be running around in the backyard, maybe have a beer or two and settle in, have something, uh, like I said, burgers or something like that, nice dinner, watch the movies with the kiddos, call it a night. Hmm. Really? Yes. Not me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll bring my kids to your house, Anthony. You can grill for them, okay? Okay. This is Jamie. They're more than welcome. Glass of bourbon. Oh, you're going to go. Sit down and turn on on some NHL playoffs. No, no, not doing that either. No, I'm going to put on some nice clothes. I'm going to go to a nice dinner, enjoy a fine meal with my girlfriend, and have a bourbon, maybe two, maybe three. Go home. Hey, Alexa, play that mixtape. Cisco, <laughs> hang out play on the Cisco. the Cisco CD. Hang out on the patio, watch the Cardinals game. Yeah, Marcy, you get it. You get it. You listen. Yeah. Then I'll call my kids. Marcy, <laughs> Marcy, gonna head home and play the dynasty oh, come level on, Anthony, of his Friday. MLB the show game. And send us clips of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where Marsh starts at first base. <laughs> Left-handed swinging Marsh. <laughs> I got another home run, guys. Oh, my God. I've been in a slump lately. <laughs> <laughs> it's those high sinkers, Anthony. And they're, mm-hmm. and they're, they're tying me up. It I, makes sense. I swear. Listening to Matt is probably going to help my approach. Question number four. All right, from the 314, Jamie, how do you go about meeting the new players on the Blues each year and being friends with the team? Oh, uh, well, you just usually you show up at the rink and um, you meet these guys and you just walk over and introduce yourself. It's no big deal. It's just like, you know, it's hey, you know, like Jake Neighbors. Jakey, how you doing, man? Jamie Rivers, you know, good to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And you would tell them, that you're working with 101 ESPN, Bally Sports. In my case, I tell them that you know a lot of these kids may don't know who all the players were in the past. So you tell them played here with the Blues and part of the alumni group here. Blah blah blah. If there's Welcome anything to I St. Can, Louis. Anything in St. Louis that you have questions about? Let me know. If you need help with something? I probably know somebody who can help you. Welcome to the welcome to the Lou. Welcome to the show. Kind of the way you do it, even with all the veteran guys. You just walk up, introduce yourself. By the way, we got a text from the 314. 
It's about the Anthony versus 100 kindergartners. Uh, So I'm picturing the Daredevil Netflix show where he fights through the building. That's Anthony versus 100 kindergartners. And I'm just going to assume that you guys have never seen this show. I know Mike Ryder has. You know, that. I, that first of all, that hurts, Marsh. Second of all, no, I definitely haven't. <laughs> well, it's a one-shot scene. There's a few of them where it's like a 10-minute, just like a 10-minute clip of just one shot, right? Of him just going through this, like, hospital, just beating the you-know-what out of all the bad guys. Who is it? Daredevil. Oh, okay. Hmm. He can't see, right? He can't see, which makes it that much more impressive. He's blind. He's he blind, blind as a bat, but now he's not Batman, Jamie. It's a different guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're yep. right. Mm-hmm. Much different. Mm-hmm. Yep. Question number five. From the... Daredevil, Daredevil is not the Flash. Marshy, have you seen the question from the 816? From the 816? Let me no, just scroll get to it later. down. Just get to it later. I think I might have seen that one, and I yeah. think I definitely just glossed over it. Yeah, I would too. On purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's, let's go to this one from the 314. Which one is that about, guys? Yeah, we'll tell you later. Okay. Uh, from the 314, do Canadians barbecue like Americans? I feel like they smoke stuff like walleye or muskies, which takes longer. Jamie smokes a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, yesterday he was smoking some walleye. Yeah. Smoking food is great, actually. You can have different flavors of smoke, and you got different kinds. It's great, Anthony. I'm glad you recognize that. Smoking is a great technique. I listen to you. When cooking fish, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't know if we grill differently or the same. Um, I remember when I moved here to St. Louis, I felt like I could operate a U.S. grill pretty good, the same as a Canadian grill. Um... (laughs) Yeah, maybe with some of the fish and stuff like that, there may be some different techniques. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's things down here that, like uh, pork steaks, grilling that and in the sauce and all this stuff. Like, I, we didn't do that in Canada, so I kind of picked that up here. So I imagine there's certain things we do in Canada that will be different. Although I, you know, right now I just can't think of. What are you smoking tonight? Uh, well, Anthony, what do you got? Like fish, beef, beef. Chicken. Yep. Do you? Is it a lean cut, Anthony, or is it... Uh, yeah, it's thicker. Is it really? A lot of gristle on it? Nope. No fat? Mm-mm. Interesting. All right. I'd use a cherry wood for that one. Smoke the heck out of that thing. Question number six. From the 816. Would you rather... See, Steven Matz goes six innings or the Cardinals put up six runs. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Cardinals in Seattle tonight where they'll take on the Mariners. 9-10 is the first pitch. George Kirby, the right-hander, versus Steven Matz, the lefty. And this winds up being, I don't know if it's a litmus test or anything like that for Steven Matz. Oh, yeah. Anthony, 
I'm excited. I did not think we were going to get the lineup game. I honestly forgot about it. With it being such a late start. What? You forgot about it? I did. What the hell is wrong with you? But in the best way, guys. Uh, I don't feel like In the it best was. way. I feel like you, like, disregarded it almost. No, like when you go to the bathroom and you come back from the when you're at the restaurant. The restaurant, they've got your food. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think the food would be there. It's one of the best feelings in the world. I would argue that, but that's fine. Okay. One of my best feelings in the world. <laughs> All right, so here we go. George Kirby, a right-hander. I think Donovan's back in the lineup, Jamie. I think he's, I think he's leading off. Wait, is he hurt? Well... He came back the other day. He was banged up a little bit, but he he came back. Yeah. He's Show us that, Donnie. Donovan? Hello? Nailed it. All right. Is this Burleson? Uh, show up. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Alec Burleson. Oh, Burley. You're so rugged and manly. <laughs> it's Marge Simpson? She that makes an appearance? Incredible. Wow. That is... One from the text line. Well, the done. texters are are coming to play. Yeah, we got a recommendation the other day, so we got to give a shout out to our text line. Okay. That was awesome. Go oh, ahead, Jamie. Um, it's Mister Excitement himself in the three hole. Oh, Goldschmidt. I love gold. <laughs> I love gold. All right, go ahead, Anthony. Show us. Nolan Arenado. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Albert Pujols, I love you, man. There you go. Right. I would imagine this is Wilson. Oh, yeah. It's got to be uh, Mr. Contreras. Wilson. Show us Wilson Contreras. Wilson! 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 I think they ever found Wilson. What, the ball? Yeah. Somebody. Decayed. Just. What? It's a quality left. product. It held up for sure. I mean, it's it's the sea, salt water, just bad things. You're not wrong. All right, what do you think here, Nolan? Storm and Norman. Storm Nolan and Gorman. Gorman. It's got to be. So why don't you go ahead and show us Nolan Gorman? Storm and Gorman. He's taking the league by storm. All right. Okay. I now it's when it gets tricky. Yeah. This now is when it gets tricky. Is it Newt? I would say so. Yeah, it's it got to be. No, the Newt's got to be in. So who's out then? Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Oof. All right. If Newt's in center, so Alec, Alec Burleson is in left, Newt would be in center and Walker in right. That would be my guess. Left to, left to right. All right. Newt, go ahead. Show us Newt. There it is. Newt. Newt. Now I think this is Walker. I don't think O'Neal will be this. Walker far in just had a good. His last game was good. What two for four? Right. They're gonna try and continue to ride that wave with him. Keep building as they move forward. So let's walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Ay. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Nice. And this, well, mm. this is an easy one. It's a no-brainer. Right? Show us. Tommy Edmund. But right now, I'm going to need you, you Tommy, Tommy boy, boy, to get this place going. Yeah. Look at that. Nice job, wow. guys. Wow. Nice job. All right, Marsh, run it. All right, leading off, playing second base. 
Brendan Donovan batting second in left field. Alec Burleson batting third. First baseman, Paul Goldschmidt, your cleanup hitter at third base. Nolan Arenado. Batting fifth behind the dish, Wilson Contreras. Nolan Gorman is batting sixth. He's your DH. Batting seventh, the international superstar, the newest commercial man, and the newest arch apparel model. <laughs> Lars, Newt Bar. He's in center field. Lars Jordan covered Walker. a lot of ground on that one. Well, sure you know, you got to hit all the, you know, all the accolades that yeah. he, he's, he's getting right now. Uh, batting eighth in right field, Jordan Walker. And batting ninth, your shortstop, Tommy Edmond. I don't believe what I just saw. Home run. March, why don't you uh, update us on those standings? Well, Anthony, you're still leading. Still leading the charge. All right. Up by one. Okay. Well, the rest of us have zero. Hmm. So I feel good about one of us tonight. Do you? Yeah, March, lead us off. All right, let's uh, take a look at this bad boy real quick. Man. I don't know. I think... I think Jordan Walker gets a home run tonight. Not with that launch angle. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up! Oh, Marsh, come on. I like your effort, though, Marsh. Yeah, good effort, good effort. Hey, hey, Anthony, remember that one time Uh that... uh, you said Paul Goldschmidt wouldn't hit a home run in the first inning, and, th- and then he did? Yeah, but nobody picked him, though. Yeah, nobody picked him, though. Well. <laughs> Whatever. He, he hates you. Seriously. Yeah. I'm out. Who, I don't blame him. Who doesn't? At all. What I would say to that is uh, get in line, because there's a long line now starting to develop for that. Uh, go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> there is. Um, all right. Let's see here. I think that uh, Burleson gets a hold of one. Second. Right away in the first inning. Second at bat. Bam. Baby. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt on this one. Give me Paul Goldschmidt. Mm. I'm going to go RL Chalk. RL Chalk. I went away from that strategy, and it cost me. Could have had a, had a could have had a commanding 2-0 lead in the home run derby. I'm gonna go off the board here. So, and go Paul you know Goldschmidt. I don't sound like that. My voice is deeper. If I don't win, is it? I hope Alec Burleson hits a home run, and then Paul Goldschmidt goes back to back. Wow, you are bitter, you are crazy. I well, like no, it. I'm though. just I'm rooting for the Cardinals. They need a hot start. They keep you giving up runs bitter. in the first inning. They need to hop in front early. That's why I hope they go back-to-back. Why would you think I would say that? Is there another reason? Because you're hating. What are you talking about? I want the team to win. Yeah. They could still win Paul Goldschmidt hitting a home run the first inning before anybody else does. But I know, but that's only one run. Okay. Hey, we did not get to Steven Matz and what could be the biggest start of his life. Mm-hmm. And we beat the streak, too. And we'll beat the streak next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Matt's, we know how good the stuff is. We know how good it can be. We know how he can get a ton of ground balls. The opposition is also hitting like 350-something off of him with two strikes. He's not burying his changeup and has not buried his curveball to this point. That's not Contreras putting down the wrong fingers. That's him not putting the pitch where he ends up wanting to do, and that's going to be a big change. That was our guy, Brad Thompson, who joined us earlier in the show. Spent a full hour with us from 2 to 3. If you missed any of that, great stuff again from BT. You can download the podcast after the show, 101ESPN.com, or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And BT, of course, was talking about Will Contreras and how much he factors into maybe some of the struggles from the starting pitching that we've seen from the Cardinals. And that is a question that we get consistently on the text line or on our socials. BT, I thought, broke broke it down perfectly. Let's start with the guy that's actually pitching the ball. And in this case tonight, it's going to be Steven Matz. Steven Matz in two starts, he's, he's 0 for deuce. He's got an ERA of 6.48. Sorry, he's three starts so far. Three starts, he's 0-2, 6.48 ERA. He's gone just 16 and two-thirds, 17 strikeouts, 1.80 whip. Hard, he, much like most of the Cardinals pitching, he's being hit hard, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strikeouts are average. He's walking too many batters. He's not getting many batters to chase, and everybody with an exit velo of, you know, off the charts, basically. 112. Yeah, million, basically. <laughs> so Steve Matt's not pitching well at all. And you heard BT kind of break down some of the aspects of why he might, he might not be pitching well. If this guy isn't getting ground balls – it's going to be a short outing. And when you look up, when you look at this lineup for Seattle, Julio Rodriguez, as we know, absolute stud. He's got four home runs. He's not the only one that's got four home runs. And I think this kid has actually been their best hitter, especially of late. It's Jared Kelnick. Kelnick has got four, four uh, home runs now. He is a lefty, but it's one Stephen Mass isn't throwing well. And Jared, Jared Kel- Kelnick is, right now, he's batting well against. Both sides. So you got Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, uh, Eugenio Suarez, who we know from the, the Reds when he played played with the Reds. He's in this lineup. Cal Raleigh is a, is a catcher that can drive the ball out of the yard. Teoscar Hernandez, formerly of, of Toronto. A.J. Pollock is a veteran hitter. Been around a while, so he, he can be a pain in the ass as well. And J.P. Crawford, their shortstop, not much of a hitter, but but still somebody that at one point was sitting in the middle of their lineup last year. So this is an, an absolute stud lineup that Steven Matz is going against tonight, Jamie. I don't I don't know if this is a litmus test as much as it's just, Steven Matz, you need to keep this team in the ballgame. It don't have to be perfect. You don't have to go seven. Is that what we're keep, at? Yes. Is that what we're at? Yes. This is an <laughs> Oakland's lineup. I'm not going to be like, well, it's got to be perfect. Don't give up nine in the first. How about that? Yeah. Um, I'm just concerned. And I'm, I'm just concerned, man. Like, I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny. You sound like a parent right now. I, I, I'm I feel just, like I'm, that, I'm, though. I'm, I'm just concerned about but, your behavior. You need an intervention with, with Steven. Well, no, not just oh, with Cal Steven. Ra- Cal Raleigh, I don't think, is in the lineup tonight. Thanks. The whole rotation, to be honest. And my concern is, well, one, that uh, he could give up you know, nine or 10 Two is that it's just putting so much stress on your offense too. Like sometimes we, like if we take a step back for a second and we look at maybe some guys that are struggling or some guys that are struggling with runners and scoring position, mm-hmm. 
You ever think that maybe the hitters putting so much pressure on themselves because they know, like, we have to score runs? Yeah, maybe. Like, I'm not saying that's directly correlated to the bad runners in scoring position, average, and things like that. But at some point, I do know this. I played for some teams, and this is a loose comparison. I played for some teams where the goaltending's been so bad, you're like, we've got to score four. We've got to score four goals a game or we're screwed. So if you're the Cardinals, like, and you're the offense, and you feel like your fifth, sixth inning, and yeah, you know you're you're down four to two or five to two, you got some runners in scoring position. Are you gripping it a little more? Are you tight cheeking it just a little bit? I think it's yeah. I would imagine Jamie, like you're saying, it's human nature to say, well, I got to hit a five run home run right now because we need it. They can't do that. And they can't do that. So no, the See, stress. Anthony, there's only uh, three bases in one home play. Right. And so if you hit the grand slam, you get four. Nolan Gorman did it the other night. Quite an impressive feat, mm-hmm. mind you. Yeah. But the maximum points you can score in one particular play in, in baseball, if the bases are loaded, is four. Right. Um, I was I was illustrating the point, Jamie, that uh, these guys might be gripping it too much. Yeah. So. Or they're thinking they want to score five runs with one at bat, which is impossible, like we talked about. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Either see way. where you're headed with that. Yeah, Good thank point, you. Anthony. Yeah, Stephen Matz is has been plagued by the same thing that most of the stars have been plagued by. Uh, they're give they're they're getting crushed. They are the the hard hit rate for the Cardinals pitching staff is disgustingly bad. When baseballs are be, are coming out of the hands, lefties or righties, Jamie, out of most Cardinals pitchers, that ball is being hit with such a force. That NASA is getting involved. <laughs> That's the problem. Really? Well, the Cardinals had a NASA guy. Not anymore, Marsh. That we we found that out from Danny Mac. Not anymore. Oh. The guy's gone. I guess I don't know. What happened to him? They moved on. He moved on. They moved on. Oh, I guess I don't know. Dan did bring that up yesterday. I didn't follow up on what, whether or not the guy was still working for the Cardinals. I doubt it. I doubt it. Hmm. So there you have it. All right. Why don't we do a little uh, beat the streak here, boys? Let's be it, baby. Streaking! I want to hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Hi, right, Marsh. Why don't you update us on the beat the streak? All right. Jamie is now at 10. Stalter, you are at six. <laughs> Don't you slow clap me. Tanner, who is our T-bone. listener, T-Bone 2.0, uh, he is at one, and I am at zero. Okay, so Jamie's at ten. I'm at what? You are at six right now. Six. T-Bone is at one. Mm-hmm. And you are at goose egg? Yeah, I went with Taylor Motter the other day. You did? I did. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was that day that uh, I said, it feels like this is a good day to pick Taylor Motter because uh-huh. I'm already at zero. Mm. Ah, that's right. I remember yeah. you saying that now. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, so is T-Bone on the line? T-Bone's on the line. What's up, Tanner? Not a whole lot. How are you guys doing? Good, man. You ready to play Beat the Streak? I'm ready. All right. So Jamie's going to go first. I'm going to go second. T-Bone, you're going to go third. And Marsh has got the caboose tonight. Jamie. Yeah. Um. All right. I gotta stick with uh, well. There's two guys I'm looking at right now, Gorman and Newt. 
Talk it through us, with us. Well, I feel like Gorman did not have a great outing, his last one. So I feel like the big dog wants to eat a little bit. And where Newt, I feel like Newt's just going to try and put the ball in play tonight, which means that you know he's not going to try and overhit or come out of his shoes. Mm-hmm. Make contact, gives him a chance to get on base. They're both lefties against a right-handed pitcher. But uh, Storm and Gorman's been very good to me so far this season. I'll be good to him, too. That's nice Storman Gorman. All right, so Jamie's got Nolan Gorman. I'm going to take Julio no! J-Rod Rodriguez you guys for the are Seattle brutal, Mariners. I, I refuse to pick a player on another team. That's, I refuse. Well, and so far it's worked out for you because yeah. you're steamrolling us. So you do you. We'll do uh, us, and uh, we'll hmm. go from there. Okay. T-Bone, what do you got? Uh, this time I'm going to go with the advice of my younger sister, Jordan. He watches every single Cardinals game, 162 plus games per year. Let's go with Nolan Arenado. Okay, so Nolan Arenado, there you Nolan go. Nolan Arenado, are you? Okay. <laughs> Jamie. What? Why don't you be nice to our you know guests what? for once? Last time he did this, our listener lost. Yeah, because he's being a jerk. <laughs> Listen, I want our listeners to feel like they're part of the show. I wouldn't let you. <laughs> I fair. wouldn't let you guys just get away with it. I'm not That's, letting Tanner get away with you it. You know, Jamie. That well said. That is fair. Okay, yeah. Marsh. What do you got, Anthony? I think I'm going to go with your guy. Who's my guy? On the Seattle Mariners, Jared Kelnick. Kelnick. That's my guy. You guys make me I sick. wanted Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, um, I mean, I could totally see him getting a base hit, of course, in his first at-bat. No doubt. Uh, so Probably, probably. Home, probably home um, I can, see Ty, <laughs> yeah, I can also run. see Ty France um, getting on base as well. But Jared Kelnick is my beat-the-street guy today. There you have it. All right, let's go over this one more time. Again, Jamie has got Nolan Gorman again. He's got 10 hits thus far jamie does on our beat the streak so he's leading everybody i took julio rodriguez t-bone tanner our, our uh, listener took nolan arnato and marsh you took jared kelnick there you have it tanner have a great weekend yeah we'll see you on monday boy. Oh, i like the confidence the yeah all right thanks tanner appreciate you all right guys it's fast lane on 101 espn we've got our biggest question of the day next Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. the biggest question of the day here in the fast lane on 101 at espn this one comes from this one comes from steven and the question is what can we take away from the offense producing without goldie and arenado well it makes him expendable <laughs> <laughs> gotta cut him is that the wrong answer no i think that's the right answer right. jamie i mean uh, look at the money you can save <laughs> And not spend it. No. No, just uh, bank it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's called the value. Yeah. Uh, I imagine, <laughs> based on Steven's question, it kind of relates to what BT was saying earlier today in the first hour. So against Arizona on Wednesday, Cardinals scored two touchdowns with the extra points, Jamie. Uh, 13 hits, drew four what walks. League? NFL, not XFL. Good Thank question. You. 
Yeah, 13 hits, drew four walks, had set they collected seven extra base hits, including a couple of ding dong Johnsons. About a week's worth in one game. Yeah, that's right, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt were combined over seven. They're 0 for 7 and still did that damage. This this plays into what we've talked about with this Cardinals offense. Do they have the pieces? Absolutely. They've got the players. Can they do a variety of things? Get on base, hit for average, hit for power, OPS. Yes, it's all there. What they don't do consistently, which leads to an inconsistent and at times frustrating team to watch, is they don't drive in runners. It's just that it's just that simple. Seventh in slugging, second and on base going into today. 20% above the league average when it comes to OPS plus. They do a lot of things well. They don't drive runners in when they have the opportunity. Get not getting guys on base, but they're not getting them in. And until they do that at a consistent level, this offense will be inconsistent. Okay, so the question was, are we worried because or what do we make of the offense having success without can we re what was that again, Marshy? Yeah, so the question was what can we take away from the offense producing without Goldie and Arnado? Well, I think it's positive, quite honestly, because for the last couple of years, you kind of relied solely upon those guys. And if they cooled off, you were sitting there going, oh boy, I, I sure hope somebody else does something here. Hey, Albert Pujols, your turn. Yeah. And, you know, Albert did a great job, but it doesn't bother you. I think it's a positive. I think it's a really good thing that you, when you look at this lineup now, and yes, the runners in scoring position and, and the amount of runners left on base, that's problematic. You can't win championships if you can't get if you can't get guys home. Right. But when you look at this lineup top to bottom and you're looking at it, you go, okay, like, where's the automatic out? Like even today, if you just look at if you just look at the lineup, Donovan, Burleson, Goldie, Nolan, Contreras, Gorman, Newt, Walker, and Edmund. Where's your automatic out? You don't have one. Okay. Where last year and the year before, specifically the year before, you had automatic outs anywhere from the number four hole down. Yeah. You did. And now you may not have all-star players top to bottom, but you don't have an automatic out. You have guys that are giving you competitive at-bats. I think... In the long run, that creates more consistent offense. In the long run, that'll mean that you're scoring some more runs and less guys left on base. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping, anyways, yeah. for that. But th- So that's what I see when I look at that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Tyler O'Neill would start for most teams. Not all. He would start for most teams. But he finds himself in a rotation because, well, the Cardinals have a crowded outfield. That's, that's parts good and bad. Here's your lineup tonight. If you missed us in the lineup game, we, we nailed it tonight. Jamie, I don't think it was. I, I didn't think the lineup was earth-shattering by any means, but still, we ran through it perfectly. So here's your lineup: Brendan Donovan leading off, playing second; Alec Burleson hitting second, playing left field; Paul Goldschmidt hitting third, playing first; Nolan Arnado, he's your cleanup hitter; he's he's playing third; Wilson Contreras will be behind the dish; he's your fifth hitter; Nolan Gorman hitting sixth, and he's your DH. Lars Taylor Tetsui Nupar is hitting seventh, playing center field. Jordan Walker hitting eighth, playing right. And Tommy Edmond hitting ninth, playing shortstop. 
Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, Eugenio Suarez, Teoscar Hernandez, A.J. Pollock, Jared Kelnick, Tom Murphy, Jose Caballero, and J.P. Crawford for Seattle. One good thing, Cal Raleigh not in the lineup for Seattle. Cal Raleigh is their catcher. He's got a lot of pop. Tom Murphy is their backup, and he's hitting below 100. He's hitting 87. I think we're all thinking it. He'll hit home run probably. Yeah. It's a good thought, Marsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not that great of a thought. It's kind of, it's kind of negative. but It's very negative, Andrew, but it's kind of par for the course. If you're Steven Matz, there's outs at the bottom of the Seattle lineup with Murphy, Caballero, and Crawford. There are outs at the bottom of the lineup. Come on, dude. And Kelnick is their best hitter right now. Now, he's not their most dangerous, although he's pretty dangerous. But Kelnick, Kelnick's swinging a hot bat. He's also lefty. So at least you have the matchup advantage lefty-lefty, Jamie. Mm. Come on, Mats. What do you really think? He's going to give up four or five. How early? Eh, three. Three innings. First three innings gives up five. Wait, we never answered the question. Would you rather have Steven Matz go six innings? No, not the 100 kid kindergartners. The Steven Matz going six innings or the Cardinals scoring six runs? Would I rather go have him go six innings or the Cardinals score six runs? Yep. I'm going to go. That's a tough one. That's a tough question. No, No, it's not. I'd rather him go six innings. Because if the Cardinals score six runs and Steven Matz blows up again, you'll need 10 just to win the DM game. So I'll go with Steven Matz going six, and then you don't need six runs. Cardinals score four or five, and you're fine. I'm you with, should be fine. I'm with Jamie. Go six. Go six, please. Just once. If I set the over-under at uh, four and a half. Innings? Innings? Yeah. Jinx. Yes. What about strikeouts? Oh, God, don't go there. Come on, Marshy. What's it? What is it? One and a half? Oh, I haven't checked yet. <laughs> we do have fader follow coming up, though. Maybe that's one of our plays. Two and knows? a half. Let me check. Now I'm interested. Two and a half. Watch. What? What's the... No, it won't be two and a half. <laughs> I'm joking, even... Anthony. Jesus. Are you serious? <laughs> okay, well, doesn't that say everything? If I'm Zen, I don't think it'll be that low. <laughs> I'm considering it at least. <laughs> You're like, ah. It, uh, this is how bad Steven Matz has been. But four and a half, I'll look this up with the K's. But how about you? What do you guys think? Four, four and, and a half, half innings. innings? Yeah. So, I, ugh. Okay, so he'd have to pitch five. If you want the over. Yeah. Now, does he have to just get to the fifth inning or does he have to pitch through the fifth inning? How does that work? No, just get into the fifth. So he just has to throw so one. Complete he just has to throw one pitch in the fifth inning. Correct. I think because they have so many. Actually, no, he's got a complete five. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he could pitch in the five. fifth inning, but have a line score of four innings right. pitched. Yep. yep. That's why I asked, Anthony. Okay. I, sorry. Let me think about it. Man. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What's, what, what has he been doing so far? <clears throat> Getting crushed. Four. Steven Matz, innings per contest per start he went oh well believe it or not he went five and two-thirds in his last start against pittsburgh he went five and two-thirds against colorado he went five and a third against atlanta huh. and you just set it at four and a half mm-hmm. 
I'll go over. Okay. Four and a half. This case is actually pretty good. Six, four, seven. Oh, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony. Man, I feel like a bad guy, right? I feel like the bad guy, the villain. Why? I don't think he does. Okay, we'll just say it. Just well, say I, it. I just feel like a Debbie just, Downer all the I don't time. Think, it's just I don't your, think it's just your opinion. The listeners will certainly be okay with it. Yeah. Here we go from the five seven three four and two thirds innings. Would hit the over four and a half. Marsh, don't av- stop avoiding it. Stop avoiding it. I had Answers. a conversation with Matthew Rocchio today. Still we think it. we think that he might get lit up in the first inning. I could see it. We're really going on. Maybe on not even there, getting two. But he also could shove. But to answer the question, I think uh, it's under four. Now. There we go. Okay. Fit or follow. We got there finally. Jordan is our returning <laughs> contestant for Fader Follow. We'll do that. Wrap up the show next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. I'll fade. I'll fade. Money, 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 money. Time to play Fade or Follow with our guy Jordan. He won last week, so he cashed $50 of FanDuel's money. Another $50 is up for grabs heading into the weekend. Jordan, congratulations on the correct call last week. Thanks for joining us again this week. I appreciate it. I got 283 reasons to play again this week. 283 reasons to play this week. That's 283. Yeah, you know, like... uh, the bowl score between the Falcons and the Patriots oh, wow. three. Anthony, <laughs> he side doored you on that. He did. Wow. Wow. Jordan. That's tough. I wanna say something right now, but I won't. <laughs> I wanna say something, but I won't. I'm still rooting for you. Okay? I'm gonna still root for you. I am a vengeful, spiteful man, but I'm going to still root for you, Jordan. So, uh, without further ado, Jamie, you take over. So I don't say something that I want to say to Jordan right now for being a jerk. Well, good thing he didn't say anything. Um, All right. City SC has been very, very good to me so far this year. We're sticking with their game. They've got the the Colorado Rapids. They're playing a lesser than team. City laid a beating on Cincinnati, putting up five. I think the over-under, the, the total, as they say, Anthony, is set at, what, two and a half? I'm going over. Again, you can't stop this offense. What do you think, Jordan? Fader follow over two and a half goals for Colorado and City. We got to follow that, especially after last week's performance. There you go. All right, so if City and Colorado combine for three or more goals, you're going to win another 50 bucks of FanDuel's money, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds great. Can't wait. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for playing. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You too. All right, Anthony, truthfully. Yeah, I hope he loses. (laughs) (laughs) 
I knew it. I could see it in your eyes. You were like, I, I was like, I, I couldn't wait to ask you. I'm like, so Anthony, did, no, I think he hope he loses. You sideswipe me like that. I'm not going to be pissed. Come on. So you want a two-nothing city win? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll include it in my notes. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nah, we're, we're all having fun here. Are we? Not really. Dob Steyer and Auto Centers is the podcast sponsor. Again, if you want to download 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app, you'll find it there. Again, the Dob Steyer and Auto Centers podcast. Talked to BT for a full hour today. Covered a lot of ground with the Cardinals. Talked about the road trip that the Cardinals are about to embark on starting tonight in Seattle. Talked about Willis Contreras, his offense, his defense. BT broke it down for us. Nolan Gorman, why he's not hitting against lefties, and a little check-in there with Jordan Walker as well and how what BT's seen with him. Talked to our guy Matt Holliday, who had a great breakdown of, you know, really just hitting what to expect, things like that. Um, I loved Matt Holliday's take on, you know, wh- which sort of pitchers – Gave him issues, but you know, and it, it, when he was a young hitter like Jordan Walker was, so great stuff from Matt Holiday as always. Jamie broke down the final grades for the for uh, Jeremy Rutherford's column on the Blues, and again, we just talked a lot of Cardinals throughout the course of the show. Marsh criticisms, compliments. Yes, let's start with. Well, actually, it's somewhat of a question um, about the NASA guy. 636, philosophical differences with the NASA guy, question mark? I thought that was interesting. Well, um, we didn't say we didn't say philosophical differences. No, but... We just don't know if the guy's still there or not. Yeah. It seemed like Danny Mac indicated... Again, if you're, if you're missing this, yesterday Danny... We're back on this. Danny Mac was talking about how the Cardinals had hired like a NASA engineer yeah to help them with their scouting how could that help i don't know but apparently it did did it well yeah albert pujols hit a <laughs> who did he pick? hit a home run to the moon that's probably why they <laughs> he talked about matt adams in. he talked about trevor oh. rosenthal okay all right yeah. why, are being, why are you being a jerk right now i don't just feel like it you know what the 314 because jamie was being a jerk jamie's gonna ruin the fourth of july on purpose what where did that come from talking wow. about barbecuing it's not from here too yeah <sighs> It's not his holiday. Hmm. You know what, Anthony? Take offense to that. Proud to be an American living person. <laughs> you know? Proud to be what? I wear the red, white, and blue with pride. I know you do. I do. What? I know. What the hell your problem is today? Honestly. You know what I want you to do, Anthony? What's that? Is go home tonight. Uh-huh. Okay? And relax. Take a shower, please. And just wash up a little bit, okay? Took a shower before I came in today. Marcy said different, but... Jamie, if anybody was stinking up this studio, it was you within the last half hour. I did drop a bomb in here. I did. Jamie could have filled his propane tank up with the amount of gas that was leaking in this room. Hey, listen, we're an open book here. Truth to our listeners right now. I debated. I had a, uh, we'll call it... um, bowel movement in process and i wanted to kind of see like i wonder if i really have to go because we're on air here it's not like you can get tucked away for a half hour right. open up the book and have <laughs> right. you know and so i gave it a little like test and just <laughs> fired out a big 
fart and told the guys. I'm like, guys, I apologize. I just dropped a bomb. I I respect the fact that you told us. Yeah, I did. It was bad, too. You were professional about it. You told us. So, I mean, do, do we like it? No. We don't even have do a we fan like, in here. That's we terrible. Like, we need to get one. And, and the doors are solid it's because of this. Yeah. I actually kind of like that it happened now. You know what? Your attitude. You brought this on, Anthony. You did this to Marshy. I did this to Marshy. <laughs> yes, you did. Good wow. thing, though, Anthony, good thing about it is. Yeah. You don't have to worry about me for a week. I know. You're leaving. Going to Mexico, baby. Mexico. Yes. For a wedding. Yes, Ashley's sister's getting married. Congratulations, Congratulations to Lacey and James. I'm sure I'll represent just nicely down there. We'll be fine. It'll be fun. It will be fun, Randy. You know it. James Truzy is a usher. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. They want me like nowhere near the ceremony. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. I'm surprised you're not, you know. Yep. I should insert myself. You're right, Anthony. <laughs> I should insert myself into the wedding. I'm going to go online here this weekend and get yeah. ordained. Yeah. And I'm going to take me. over. I've hey, got this. If anyone here has anything to say, I do. I'd like to finish this up for you. Go have a, go have a chair. By the way, the drinks are all paid for. Enjoy yourself. Can you imagine? Excuse incredible. me, sir. Give, give me the book. Yeah. Down. Burn, I'm my, not... burn my fingers on the book. <laughs> yeah, that's hot. What the hell? Oh, man. You'll be on the IL for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful. <laughs> that and deep squats. That's incredible. So, yeah, Jamie's gone all next week. Yeah. Somebody says, Speedo time for Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can drop the same trick twice, can you? No, you can't. Yeah. It's played out now. All right. It was great. It was great there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I really want you. Thank you. <laughs> I really want you to insert yourself into this I should. ceremony. I should. I really do. You should offer to walk the bride down. <laughs> right? Hey, Dano. I'd be like, Dano, don't worry. Push it. I know you got a sort of the way. You got a sort of. I got this. I got this. It's fine. I got it. How funny would that be? (laughs) Dano would punch me right between the eyes. It's my daughter, you son of a. Hey, Anthony, we just got a a quick text from the 314. um, Sort of playing off what Jordan said. Is 232 Anthony's favorite time? Okay. First of all, the Colts blew an even bigger lead. Because it's 28-3. to They blew a bigger lead. There's been a worse meltdown in the NFL, okay? Has there? Hell, the Chargers blew a bigger lead. In that Super Bowl game? No, in the playoffs. Just saying. Timing's everything, Anthony. Everybody have a great weekend, except for you guys. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.